We live? Yes. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to the Mostly Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Quentin, joined by my fellow co-hosts this afternoon, uh, Tyler. How's it going, everyone? I left it for you, Josiah. Our other host, Josiah. Hello there. Well, today we're going to be talking about uh, Rogue One. Uh, it's many of our opinions that is the best Star Wars film from the Disney era. At least, that's my opinion. Uh, and we're we're looking forward to hanging out, uh, seeing what you guys think, and talking some Star Wars. So, okay, keep going. I'm just, I'm getting some frame drops and I don't know why. Uh-oh. Um, okay. Um, so this movie, at least at the time, started off a little different than any other Star Wars movie of all time. We don't get the crawl. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie really is just the story of the crawl from A New Hope. So, you know, it's kind of interesting that we can get an entire movie out of just that backstory written mm -hmm. for the start of a movie <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and i think another cool thing with this movie is there's usually a decent chunk of time sometimes it's years um sometimes it's you know like a month or something like that but at least there's a decent chunk of time where you're kind of wondering you know how did we get from this place to this place? How did we get from, you know, the, the characters in the story being one way to them now being another way, right? Um, mm -hmm. And don't don't get me off on that tangent, but um, <laughs> on this one, it's amazing because it ends exactly where A New Hope starts. So it, to me, I think that makes it unique and really cool. Yeah, it just it just ends off right where, right where it picks. And it always makes me want to just go straight and do A New Hope when I, when I, I know, finish the movie. totally. It's just right there. Yeah. Fits perfectly. Right, right at the. <clears throat> um, I I kind of liked that that opening with the uh, with Krennic shuttle amongst the uh, the asteroid, the rings of the planet. It kind of mm -hmm. gives you an, an idea of speed, how fast they're traveling with the asteroid being there. But it also felt really kind of like it felt like I want to say like uh, like nineteen eighties kind of sci fi feel to it. But yeah. but obviously it, you know it looked really good being much more modern technology used to make it, but it kind of gave that that kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I for think. sure. And then we we also didn't get the ship right at the beginning, which is kind of like yeah. a, a Star Wars staple. You know, you're talking about the crawl, but that's another thing too. And it's kind of funny because of the way that the light was on the rings that you're talking about. It almost made it seem like we were going to get that you know very familiar iconic you know, like yeah. a, across the, the, you know, the bow of the ship or something like that. And then it kind of backs out so you can see that it's actually the rings of the planet. Yeah, that, that is really cool. That's the, the cinematography right at the start there. And, and the movie, like, it starts off and it says, all right, this is going to be a ride. This isn't going to be just, just a normal Star Wars because that, that, that really loud burp. Okay, the movie's starting. It, like, so you're sitting there first time. You're like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> yeah. 
and you get that that big jump and you're just like what is happening here <laughs> but it's like all right this movie's gonna be uh it, it's gonna not it, it's gonna move it's gonna be a war movie it's not just gonna be and uh i like kind of how you brought out there isn't a crawl but there's a prologue which is basically the crawl the whole first scene where krennic uh, goes to pick up galen and lyra and Jin. And when she's young, that basically is the crawl. Yeah, they just filmed it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. I like that. Well, when they're when they're approaching that planet, and uh, you can see the the rings from the planet, that would be so cool to see. Like realistically, like to stand on a planet that has rings like that and be able to see them from the planet. Right. Mm-hmm. That would be like crazy, crazy weird. Yeah, I never even thought about it until you just brought it up. But that is really cool, like, that it it kind of had that, you know, prologue to the movie. It gave you, like, you know, kind of, like, somewhere to base, you know, what is going to happen later along in the movie. And it was, it was a cool idea because, you know, usually you meet a character and then you slowly, you know, have character development. Either you're going to you know, love the character, you know, aspire to be the character or hate the character, <laughs> you know, however mm-hmm. it's going to be, but you kind of learn that across the movie. Whereas this one, they gave you the backstory. So before you really, you know, start diving into their, you know, their character, you know, some 10, 20, you know, 10, 15 years later, you already have like a starting off point of, you know, caring about this family, right? which actually makes mm-hmm. it even more epic, I think, like once you actually get into it, because then you can start to understand, you know, the feelings of, you know, Jen the, and Saw and, you know, like that, the whole dynamic of their relationship, I think it's like, you know, is like <clears throat> compounded by the fact that you you understood the, the kind of inception of someone having like, could possibly be like a, a beautiful, normal life into, you know, getting thrust into the middle of a war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's real good because uh, if you've read the book uh, Catalyst, mm-hmm. basically it's their early days of the uh, Empire, or even a little bit before, where Krennic was already working on the Death Star. And spoilers for the book, but basically <laughs> the gist of it is, is that Galen figures out what they're building and wants to escape and they are friends they had met saw Guerrero along some sometime in the book along along the way and they use him uh, he <laughs> smuggles them away from Krennic and everything and mm-hmm. so that's where that's where they know saw Guerrero and so and he comes comes and saves Jin out of the hole and then that's the prologue that's the that's the crawl <clears throat> And then the next mm-hmm. thing you see her is you see her in a prison transport. <laughs> I know that is like so, really like so amazing that there's this the line when um, Krennic and and uh, Orson. No, what? Okay, I just I just lost it. Jin's dad's name, Galen. Oh my gosh, Galen. Galen. Okay, when they're talking at the, at the after you know they do the they do walk a whole kilometer in from 
uh, <laughs> yeah, from the ship. That one, that one's for Bruce. They're a whole kilometer in, and uh, <laughs> and they talk about, you know, he said we're this close to provide to, and he always says providing peace and security to the galaxy, like he's doing a service. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something great he's doing for people, and and Galen's response of, I think you're confusing peace with terror. That's mm-hmm. just. That's exactly what the what the empire is. The 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 people thinking that they're providing peace and security, but they're really just providing terror. Mm-hmm. Or peace yeah. through terror. Mm-hmm. That's not peace, though. Peace through yeah. terror is not peace. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because what did he, yeah what did he say? Um, I was trying to think of what it was, so you might have actually specifically said it. But uh, what did he like? It ever we have to start somewhere or something? Is that yes, what, yes, yeah, um, something like that. He's like you're, you're confusing peace with terror, and then uh, Kernick replies, "Well, you got to start somewhere." Yeah, <clears throat> but that's it's, not it's really true. a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 for hundred percent, and it's like it's it's totally true though because that's basically what we've seen through all of Star Wars, you know, especially through. The different trilogy sagas is many times you know the main characters you know of the story feel like you need to do something that is against you know their conscience to be able to get to a place of peace you know we've seen it over and over a time and then what obviously what ends up happening is the exact opposite they never get to that that peaceful state so mm-hmm. yeah and yeah and then they're when when he tries to take him back, is another great line when when uh, she says, you, you know, he said well, you'll leave live happily, and she goes as hostages, and Krennic says, no, as heroes of the empire. Yeah. The way he mm-hmm. says that line is like, is just bone chilling. That mm-hmm. there. Well, uh... <clears throat> it even. You know, it makes you think of that episode of uh, The Mandalorian Season 2, where they got to get the location for Grogu, and uh, Mayfield shoots the guy who's saluting, you know, heroes of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think it's a funny, like, funny part of, like, that intro, but, you know, basically they had this planned out, you know, the... You know, both Galen and Lyra knew what they needed to do. Jen knew what she needed to do. And, you know, they they conversed with Saw right before it happened. So he knew his role in all this. And then all of a sudden, Lyra doesn't listen to the plan, goes rogue. <laughs> and then Jen does the same thing. You know, it just yep. it's just kind of funny, you know, like they had been preparing for this moment. They knew exactly what to do. And then everything just blew up at the end. <laughs> I think it was, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny because she's like all sneaking up and then she runs at him from like a hundred feet away or something. <laughs> like you're really hiding. And I like, uh, oh, I, I think it's great because Krennic's like, oh, look, Lyra back from the dead. Like he's totally <laughs> yeah. surprised. Yeah, I love that. Not that was so amazing. And then since you guys mentioned it, they we have the once again, like the epic, you know, walking towards each other 
that is in so many Star Wars movies, but you know, that people always say like, why did they, you know, have the ship so far away, you know, <laughs> yeah. for like that epic walking up to scene. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it, it is true though, because like cinematically it looks so awesome. Like seeing them coming oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. then on, then when they flip around to the other side and you're seeing them walk up to like his homestead, oh man, it's, it's so amazing. It's, it's worth it for the kind of strange moment that they the, you the know, cinematography so yeah away. it's like it's like the empire knew they were being filmed because the, the, yeah. the, sh- the shuttle makes this big this big sweeping turn dramatic you know, entrance flies over it flies right over the homestead big sweeping turn to, to go land a kilometer away and that and shuttle looks menacing and then when krennic is walking up like that has that perfect breeze that's like blowing his cape the, the, the white cape surrounded by the black death troopers yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing. That, I mean, he does look menacing. That's maybe that's what he's trying to. <laughs> he's just trying to uh, send out his presence. Like, look at it, I'm going to march all the way to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, shout out in the chat real quick. So editor says, "I wonder how much Galen got paid to make the Death Star." That actually is a kind of interesting question when you think <laughs> about it, because. You know, it, he was going willing, quote unquote, unwillingly, but kind of willingly. And somewhere along the line, it changed, right? <clears throat> but it is kind of hard to say because his immediate response is as hostages, which obviously <clears throat> wouldn't be paid anything, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of hard to say. I don't know if he got paid anything or <clears throat> if they're basically like, you do it or die. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like <clears throat> in his role, if he had been doing it willingly, I'd, I wouldn't say that he would necessarily be be rich, but definitely mm-hmm. an elevated status, be very comfortable, could you know afford pretty much probably anything anything he really wanted or needed. Like he wouldn't right. be struggling in any means, mm-hmm. especially if he was there willingly. Now, when he's when he wasn't willingly, it probably didn't matter. Like you said, he confined himself to his room, he confined himself to his work, worked diligently the, for the whole time. And so he probably didn't have lots of like, ooh, I want to go buy a new starship, you know, as a new, a new, <laughs> a new, the new uh, Nubian J type from Naboo that I've been got my. Eye That's on, what I was know? just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, That's not what he was thinking of. In one starfighter. Yeah. That's not what was on his mind. And so, I mean, I kind of doubt he really had much of a, you know, how much money am I making? Salary talk with his manager, right? <laughs> I kind of yeah, doubt he got said, much time off of more... Edu. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I bet it's, it was probably more realistically, like you said, it was more a status thing. Because if you also notice, mm-hmm. like in later in the movie, which we'll get to, but he was wearing, which one, it's very convenient because they're super far away and like trying to snipe him. But, you know, like he was wearing a different color uniform, right? So yeah, I feel like he was probably engineer. more. Right. So it's like just seeing him everybody knew like oh he's the boss or whatever it was maybe it wasn't necessarily like a financial thing isn't it like uh it's tarkin who says mentions that the uh the cargo pilot was dispatched from edu galen urso's installation so like that entire place yes under his control his he was Mm -hmm. running it yeah so it was definitely a a high status thing i think of it like like maybe governor's like uh, like Captain Price in Rebels, mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, and stuff like that. That that kind of status, you know, not necessarily having a lot of money, but you have a lot of status. And in a yeah. in an authoritarian empire like this, that's what that translates in, into wealth on its own. Yeah, without necessarily sure. having a, a salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, one one thing I really like about this movie is because it's very much like a Star Wars movie in the fact that it's a an adventure movie and it's about the whole growing up and learning the right decisions and that's basically what Jin does throughout the movie because at first she's just reluctant to help she's like <clears throat> I mean she tells uh, Saw you know he does like you don't care about the cause you don't you you can see the empire's flag burn, mm-hmm. or uh, and you she's like the, a, empire, the empire's flag rain across the galaxy. Yeah, rain across the galaxy, and then she's like, "It's not a problem if you don't look up." So her whole right. attitude is kind <laughs> of like uh, throughout this movie, you can kind of see how it changes, <clears throat> and she has the uh, growing up and learning to make the proper decisions like you get throughout all star wars that's what a new hope is that's what it is for luke and so that i think that's one of the reasons why people relate so much to this movie being the best disney movie because it almost feels like the most one of the most star wars movies now we've had lots of discussions Mm -hmm. i love all the other disney movies that they've made but you know this this movie it it is special yeah and i mean Mm -hmm. you can see it in you know like you can't base everything off of like you know the critics or you know people's reviews because you know a lot of times it's like mob mentality right you know people say saying Mm -hmm. oh this is a bad movie everyone's gonna jump on and say it's bad right but like you can see it in you know like rotten tomatoes in you know all the different like reviews both you know from the audience and the critics that this was just a well-rated movie and it and i totally agree with them i, I agree this is one of like the mm-hmm. greatest movies as, especially as a standalone they did an amazing job with this movie and i think just touching real quick on what you were saying about jen and kind of like her story and how she how i guess how she viewed her life based on what happened to her and i'm super excited for andor because basically Cassian has from what we understand a very similar situation happened to him at a young age at six years old very similar to Jin's story and he did some and he said it himself the difference is I'm I'm trying to do something about it right Mm -hmm. and so I think that was really cool for them to meet and for them to have kind of similar stories but basically have different paths of handling that emotional baggage that emotional damage that they went through and so it was really cool for them to kind of get together and basically balance each other out almost you know because obviously you know uh, like we're gonna get into it real quick but you know Cassian's like you know almost like you know to a fall yeah too extreme right and then she's like to the extreme the other way so they kind of almost balance each other out which is cool and this is this is definitely a, a bit of a darker, more grown-up movie, and you can kind of tell from mm-hmm. from the tone right away, right? Right after the prologue, you get the scene of Cassian getting the information from uh, his fellow rebel that's 
uh, on that that really cool asteroid that's like bound together and kind of floating in space. Yeah, really got me uh, um, feeling like a port of nowhere vibes from Guardians, kind of in that. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was pretty cool looking, and then <clears throat> it's it's so dark. See, that... I was thinking ex- the expanse. Like, uh, that's exactly know, what I, mean, I was thinking. I was thinking okay. expanse. Yeah, that makes sense. In the belt, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then uh, they get caught by those stormtroopers, right? <clears throat> and they can't just give them their IDs because they're <clears throat> both probably wanted men. So he has mm-hmm. to shoot the stormtroopers. And then he's got to climb out. And his buddy is injured, right? He can't climb out. And there was no way out of there at that point. So he shoots him in the back. He calms him down and, and then and then shoots him in the back. Like, that's really dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Because <clears throat> he knows that he can't, he, the guy can't get out of there, right? And if he gets caught by the Empire, his life's going to be horrible torture and misery. Or he'll, get, or so, he'll spill, spill the secrets that the, the rebels know. I mean, know. both, right? It's potentially both. He's, they're going to torture him for that information. So yeah. <clears throat> it's almost almost being kind in a way, but also, you know, just a dark way for this movie to start, right? He's a fellow rebel, and he just shoots him in the back. I'm looking forward to Andor expanding on that. And yeah. how, how, did, how did he become a person who could shoot his friend in the back? And I, and I was watching last night, I'm thinking about all the things that Andor could be. And I, I was watching that moment, and I thought, you know, what if the other the other actors in Andor and their friends, like, the weight that will be on that moment in that movie, will, I feel like the Andor show is going to change a lot about the way you see this movie, but I think it'll be mostly for the better. Like, you think yeah. of how much weight that moment will carry if you realize they were best friends or even worked together regularly. Okay. Like you, you mean you th- just yeah. think of like all he's doing. He, then he literally talks about this later. Uh, we've all sacrificed for the rebellion, and mm-hmm. I think part of what he means by sacrificing is he sacrificed part of his soul. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think I've heard a lot of people kind of wonder that question, and it really calls into question, you know not only his morals, but really his ideology, right? Cassian's, that he could do that, right? But the when you watch this movie, and like I did the last time that I watched this, you know, and obviously like having all these different questions in my head of, you know, why did they go with this? How did they do this? And then the more that I thought about it, most likely um, General Draven, right? He was the one that said to to kill Galen, right? Mm-hmm. that was driving i think um so like what i was thinking is you know he was very quick to be that way on that mission what if that was the mission that he had before so he said you need to go get this information and you know either if you can't get the information or if he's gonna get you know if that information is gonna get to the empire somehow to kill him this so like he could have possibly been following orders it wasn't like this last minute thing like that he had mentally to decide should i do this or not do this it was it was his mission from the very beginning yeah, it was it interesting was that 
Yeah, it's interesting that you bring this part up because he told Cassian to kill Galen. And mm -hmm. the thing is, is I was having this discussion with Connie and we're thinking, well, that's kind of dark for a rebellion, you know, just to just to kill someone. And mm -hmm. and we talked about that he doesn't know one he doesn't know that uh it's too late it, i mean killing galen at this point it does just doesn't matter it's too late mm -hmm. it's already built so yep. it's kind of pointless and he also he doesn't trust the sources and stuff so he so he's doing what he thinks is right even if it's not what's right mm -hmm. <clears throat> Yeah. And so he's and I, not he's yeah. not trying to do it cynically. He's not trying to be the bad guy. Right. Yeah. And I think that the once again, you know, holding Sith deal in absolutes and things like that, or you know, <laughs> they're they're too dangerous to be left alive, right? I feel mm -hmm. like that was kind of like the story here with him. Like you said, you didn't you don't know it was over. All we know is that this person has the ability to to create this crazy weapon or whatever it is. Yep. But I feel like, you know, that's where Jin is able to balance out the situation, right? And say, then you're no different than a stormtrooper. You know, like if yeah. you're just gonna blindly Slam follow blindly orders. Following orders. Yeah. And so I think that, that was that was a really good uh takeaway from that. And once again I just want to jump back into the chat. So editor said uh, Rogue One was the only Disney Star Wars film to have its story planned out properly and not have production problems. And then later said, shame that we'll probably never have another Star Wars film. And oh man, I really, I really hope that's not true because I think like, you know, they've not necessarily been missed, but they've had an amazing hit here. And then a, a really good movie with uh, Solo as well. I really hope that they can continue to figure out little pieces of the Star Wars universe that they can like cut out and make like an amazing movie, you know, that maybe gives meaning to other movies, but isn't, you know, fully connected. And I think right. that's why they did so great with this one is they gave us a story that we knew next to nothing about, but still, still had like, it was still grounded to stories that we already knew and loved. And so I think yep. that's why they just hit this out of the park. So I'll well, say... I feel like the... the Sorry, Tyler. Is it okay if I talk? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say... Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> I was going to say, um, it is sad that we'll probably... I mean, I'm not saying we're not going to have another Star Wars story film. Uh, we it, it is we sad because on top of the news that Rogue Squadron was... Mm -hmm. I mean... I don't want to say it was delayed. It was just removed from Disney's schedule of things coming up, which is really sad. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, we kind of are getting, we're getting story of Star Wars TV, right? Yeah. And, and what's, what's the trade-off between, between TV and, and film? I mean, usually you, you get more backstory in film or in TV because like Mandalorian, yeah. instead of, instead of being a Mandalorian movie, that's two hours long. We got, you know, seven hours of content right something like that mm -hmm. and the big the big difference is usually budget right tv's got much yeah. smaller mm -hmm. budget and doesn't look as good but what they've been doing with especially with the volume it's you know it looks fantastic and i know andor mm -hmm. hasn't used the volume they've the, gone big on Andor yeah. doing practical sets when andor say with is, the volume is film quality filming for tv and that's kind of why i think they're advertising it so big they want 
they want you know hbo uh streaming numbers of people to come in and watch yeah. andor <clears throat> that's what and, they but, want and andor was like one of the first ones they announced of making a tv show and it's we've gotten two seasons in the mandalorian and and all of this <clears throat> other shows since but it was like andor was one of the very first announced shows yeah. mm-hmm. yep well and it's but yeah and they've been working on it for a while too and i think they're i think they're kind of swinging big with this one with uh with wanting big numbers on this and i really hope it succeeds I really so, hope yeah. it does well because I want to see. Obviously, I want to see more Star Wars. Like that's not a question of do I want to see mm-hmm. more Star Wars out there. So but, send it yeah. said, uh, wasn't Star Wars or wasn't Rogue having staffing issues? Uh, ro- actually, and so back to editor's point about being planned out. It actually wasn't. They did a ton of reshoots on this. Way near the end. There's go back so, and look. There's there's scenes in the trailers that are not in the movie. There's lots of scenes in the trailer that aren't in the movie. Uh, so a, a lot of the 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 story rewrites and then the reshoots that had to be done for this film were uh, the director uh, Garth Edwards thinking that Disney wouldn't let him kill all the characters because that's not a very Disney thing. Yeah. And so he had his original plan, what he wanted to do, but then what he had to write for Disney because he thought, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta, you can't kill everybody because it's a Disney product. But then Disney gave him the okay to do that, so then he could go with what he really wanted. So really, that was the story he had, yeah, from mm-hmm. the get go. And I feel like, yeah. I feel like this movie was really good. <clears throat> so, um, Garth, the uh, director. He says that Star Wars is the reason that he got into filmmaking. Like, it's obviously something that he was passionate about. I want to see, I'd like to see him I don't do feel more. Like, <clears throat> oh, I would too, yeah. for sure. Big time. He, he also mean, did the, uh, the first uh, of the new MonsterVerse series, the God, the first Godzilla of the current, <laughs> current oh, yeah, ones. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, yeah that, that one, that one was really up good up too. Before he, did th- before he did this. Yeah. But. Like I was saying, I felt like he was he brought passion into it, but without you know, just trying to to remake the same thing we've all seen. You before. know, he's in the movie. <clears throat> he's, he's he's in uh, the he's a he's Death Star, right? No, uh, is he, is he I think no, I think Ryan Johnson's in the Death Star. Oh, Ryan yeah, Johnson's yeah. in the Death Star. Uh, Garth <laughs> Edwards is at the very end. He's the one that pulls the lever to detach the uh, Tanative Five. Uh, from the, the Raddus, or from the uh, uh, what's the ship? I don't know. Admiral Raddus's ship. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I could tell you the name of the ship here in my <laughs> Rogue One: The Ultimate Visual Guidebook that I have. <laughs> I love this movie. Uh, mm. So, the but profundity. yeah, there was the There's profundity the the that I love. There are so many good moments in this movie. Oh, and yeah, when we get to this, the battle on Scarif, there's a lot to talk about <laughs> with this movie. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this is the one thing I think uh, <clears throat> what makes this movie better than like Solo and other Star Wars movies. I feel like in Star Wars, there's there's one thing in Star Wars that every every show, every movie needs. And it's the one thing that is Star Wars, and that's the Force. Mm-hmm. The Force is Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. and and that's I think that is why the Mandalorian does so well. Yeah, you're looking at other areas where 
you know, you're, you're doing Mandalorian culture and stuff, but you have Grogu there who's force sensitive and you can see how the force touches the world. And, and so it's still, it's still part of it. Yeah. I don't think, and, and that's one of this, this thing that the, uh, this movie has versus like maybe solo where mm -hmm. you have, uh, Chewit who's, I am one with the force. The force is with me. The, mm -hmm. He's, and I don't care what anyone says. I don't, he's force sensitive to me. He seems force sensitive, but not in a way he can control it. It's almost like he can see it, but he can't control it. And it's almost like mm -hmm. the force helps him see, but it's not like he can't force push the lever. And, Right. I also I also feel like there's moments where the force just uses him mm -hmm. to get its yes. will done. <clears throat> more it's more like the force can use him, not he can use the force. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying, like um like it's this is this is the first Star Wars movie we got that wasn't like around the Jedi. Right? Yeah. It's not it's not a Jedi centered movie. But mm -hmm. there's there's just enough of of that that mystery of the force in this one that kind of connects it to to that uh, that the world of the Jedi. You know, it's talked about. Krennic says the last relic of the Jedi are gone when he talks about Jedi. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the Kyber crystals, the Church of the Wills. Which do, do you mm -hmm. do you know what that's in reference to, Josiah? The Church of the Wills. The guardian, mm -hmm. so so Chirrut and Baze are are what's called guardians of the wills, mm -hmm. and um, the the uh, the book of the wills is what George Lucas originally called the Force. That was oh, it. It okay. was like this book that gave you the power. It was the book of the wills. So the wills is kind of like the Force, and so it's kind mm -hmm. of like an ancient religion devoted to the study of the Force and the Jedi. Nice. So not necessarily those who are force sensitive or those who can use the force, but uh, but those who are, are devout to it. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. Of... Like, yeah, since you guys kind of brought that up or whatever is, I I do like that in Star Wars when they kind of like dive into either other cultures or other planets or other you know like groups of people who either like yeah a just study the force. B can like you know semi use the force. They understand it enough to semi use the force, or full on groups of people that you know you know can you know hundred percent use the force. You know, for instance, like the Night Sisters or or something like that. Like I do love the fact that you know you can kind of dive into these other groups of people <clears throat> that aren't Jedi and aren't Sith. Because I think that's more interesting. Because if you go by everything that we've learned about the Force, then you know everyone, you know, <clears throat> to certain degrees has the Force flowing through them, and you know, like there's going to be certain people that you know can connect to it more <clears throat> than others. But they, you know, with practice and study, you can even use it, you know, um, in a more fuller capacity. So I think that's really interesting when you start diving into you know, different groups like you, these you know, guardians of the the wills or whatever, because I think that then it makes it more like this, okay, this isn't just like a Jedi thing. This isn't just a Sith thing. The Jedi and the Sith were two basically religious groups 
who took the force and, you know, decided to make their own belief system based on the use of the force for their, for their own will, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we've kind of been just all over the place, but where we were at uh, talking about the film, <laughs> they, when they, so like, you get to Jetta, right? And you just mm-hmm. see this massive statue of a Jedi that has obviously been crashed to the ground, right? But how cool was that? Like, I remember the first time seeing that in the theaters, mm-hmm. just seeing this mm-hmm. massive statue. And you're seeing, like, because um, Tyler and I are we're huge fans of the Old Republic era. So this kind of ancient Jedi and ancient uh, studies of the Jedi, at least to me, are, is really fascinating. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, I just remember it the first feels time a, I it saw feels that. It feels a little bit like... So, so cool. Uh, Corbin from Knights of the Republic, but more like Jedi. And I think that's kind of what the <clears throat> Guardians of the Wills are, is you can kind of think of them as the opposite of the Sith cultists that were in Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're they're more yes, like... They're, they're there. They know <clears throat> that the Jedi are good. They they help them whenever they can. That's what uh, Lore Santeca is. <clears throat> He he was a friend yeah. of Luke's, and he and he. Uh, if you're a uh, red shadow, uh, shadow of the Sith, the new, one of the new books, uh, he's good friends with Luke. And he's not a Jedi or anything, <clears throat> but he knows that the Jedi are needed, and he's helping them out. He's the one that hands yeah. below the map to Luke Skywalker. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, not not Jedi themselves, but like it's possible that. The Church of the Wills, they could have been like servants to the Jedi when the Jedi were had a large presence on Jeddah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you really don't, we really don't know how much of a presence they even had on Jeddah pre Order sixty six, right? Like everything there seems very ancient and and almost mm-hmm. abandoned. So you don't, the, the Jedi could have have left their outpost on Jeddah a long time ago, and then there's still these these devout, you know guardians of the wills that are are there and obviously there was a, a temple because i talk about um mm-hmm. taking the kyber crystals from the temple of the wills yeah like they, they potentially took over the old jedi outpost and and uh and you know had control over that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i like <laughs> i really like uh sure might be my favorite character in this uh, movie because uh, when he first meets uh, Jin he says he says to her as they're leaving the biggest stars have hearts of kyber which is like really interesting to me because obviously we know that the Empire was taking kyber crystals in order to use for the Death Star and it just the mm-hmm. way he says it is it's kind of ironic because the biggest star as in the Death Star is got a heart of kyber <laughs> in order to power itself mm-hmm. but uh, i like his well because uh, you can he, he tells he tells Jin when he first meets him I'll, I'll trade you that necklace for a glimpse of your future and, and she goes how do you how do you know i'm wearing a necklace and it's that necklace that her mom gave her at the start which is a, a kyber crystal mm-hmm. so he, which... can, he can feel the energy from that crystal that's another point that I say is makes him. I say he's force sensitive to a, a a bit. I mean, just just 
even if just a tiny bit. Obviously, we know from what Obi-Wan says in A New Hope that the Force is in everyone. It binds the whole galaxy together. So everyone has it to an extent. It's whether you can use it versus whether you can see it. Uh, you, we look at like the Thrawn books. They have what they are called Skywalkers, where they can basically <laughs> navigate through the asteroids uh, just by sight. They call it third sight. Mm-hmm. And so just how they can use the force just is different. And I love, I love Chirrut because when they're in that fight and they're, so I love all the scenes that you get in this movie. I'm kind of, I kind of, I'm going <laughs> to backtrack a little bit. One thing that's really cool about this movie is scale. Garth, the cinematography is really good at scale. You see, yeah. we see a star destroyer right next to the dish being placed into the the Death Star, so you can really see how big the Death Star is versus mm-hmm. a star destroyer. And then later in the uh, scene or in the movie, when they're uh, Jin and Cassian are looking at the city of Jeddah. It's way up there on this giant plateau, but it's like way up there. It's a long way to climb because you can see it down from their angle where they're looking way up there. And but then you go like, oh, that's a massive city way up high. And then there's a giant Death Star sitting over top of it, just the Star Destroyer. It's the Star Destroyer, yeah. And so you that can see like, mm, one of my favorite scenes. You can see the scale. And then there's another <laughs> there's another shot of the city and you can see an ATST walking around. And it's another that is, like That is like my favorite another, scene just of another the thing is a scale. And as, so you as can see that my son such a, a little scene. That that scene where it zooms out and you just see the, the busy full of life city and an ATST just patrolling the streets, just walking through the streets. Just makes it feel so real like that technology is there there's a, a, a chicken walker just <laughs> patrolling the streets and i just mm-hmm. i love that scene it gives me goosebumps every time i see it mm-hmm. but it's like there's so many instances of this where you can see scale and, and it gives you a more it, especially because there are some scenes with the death star that give you that sense of dread and like like Obi-Wan says, uh, or uh, maybe it's Han, who says, uh, oh no, it's, it's it's Luke. They're headed for that small moon. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you can tell it's, it's a huge space station. And so I just, there's so many instances, and I just want to talk about that, where you see the city and you can see the scale. And it just kind of gives you a more a more sense of dread of those those things in particular. I I think one thing this movie did really really well, and it's it's largely praise to the the writers and directors who are passionate about Star Wars. the The number of of Easter egg and fan service moments. But mm-hmm. that aren't out of place and don't detract anything from those that don't notice. Are yeah, awesome. Uh, early on, you get you get the the prison planet, Wobani, 
Do you, yeah. do you, do you know that Easter egg, Josiah? Mm-mm. It's just Obi-Wan split up into different letters. The letters rearranged. No. So we'll, we'll <laughs> That's funny. It's just, I mean, stuff like that. That that in no way would take from, from yeah. it. But there's a, there's a lot of, of like fan service Easter eggs that happen at the Battle of Scarif that I definitely am excited to talk about. I like, uh, so Andor and K2SO. K2SO is like, this is why this movie is so good. They do such a good job with these small characters that we barely get to see. We just met and that Mm -hmm. you feel for all of them because they all die. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But you feel for everyone, and it's and it's again kind of how I've talked about in say like Rise of Skywalker and stuff about the the characters' relationships with each other. That's where you get it. You get K two S O and Cassian's relationship, uh, Chirwit and Baze's relationship, yeah. and and that's why it's so devastating when when they die, and yeah, so. It, that, I think, that's how you build. I, Go ahead. I think K two might be one of my favorite characters. It's not my favorite character of this whole movie. I love I love K two. And I, when I was watching it, and at, you know, at, at the end when he when he seals the vault, I was like, man. Again, another point where just Star Wars droids are so much more than just robots, right? right. I mean, we all you know we love quirky R two and and choppers killing everybody and cursing a storm up, but but you know we get all these <laughs> these droids are. It's it's such a, an alive world, and these droids are so much more than just like machines, and you can you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the humor the humor with K two S O also was really good. You know, like oh yeah, it and, doesn't and, and, not like, place you know, either. Yeah, yeah it's like not like it's, it's not super like it, forced or anything. Yeah, it's not forced. It's not like haha, here's a funny moment. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, I I mean I really do I do like the actor who plays K two. Uh, right. Alan Tudyk, he's mm-hmm. he's great in everything that he does. He's funny, and mm-hmm. uh, did you know that the part where they're, uh, <coughs> excuse me, where the they're on Jetta and the stormtrooper stops them and says, "Where well, you're taking these prisoners?" And uh, he's like, "I'm taking them to imprison them in prison, right?" Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Cassian kind of chirps up, and K2 just smacks him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's another one if you mouth off again. That was um, that wasn't planned. That was. Uh, ad libbed. That was just out of yeah. nowhere. If and you, so, if you watch awesome. it, if you watch it really closely, you can see Cassian. He covers his face where he got hit, but he's covering a laugh because he's laughing about because he just out of nowhere got slapped. So he's laughing about it, but he's like, <laughs> <laughs> you can see it in the and they just went with it because it fit. But he's, he's awesome. the actor is covering a laugh because he got smacked out of nowhere. It's it's awesome. I love that he they did just, a good enough cover of a smile. To keep it in. <laughs> I, they, he covered it enough that they could keep it, but you can still see that it's there. And I, yeah, you I can. <laughs> uh, I funny. like, I like at the end uh, after that battle there, where he's like, "And Cassian, sorry about the slap." <laughs> yeah, he apologizes for it. <laughs> uh, like, like editor said, um, he really hopes that that uh, K two shows up in Andor, and he's. He, I really. I'm pretty they have, sure they've already any, said. I, I don't think they've shown any news for it, but I, I do think it's been announced. But I really. I really think that they have to, right? I, I feel like you're gonna get the the scene of how he becomes in service to Andor. Like that's this. I want to see that scene. Cause that's gotta happen. And then they're gonna be buddy mm-hmm. buddies. I hope we get that in like season, you know, episode like three or four. 
right? And I think their mm-hmm. relationship together the rest of the season, working together on missions. So talking mm-hmm. about K2, uh, <clears throat> later in the movie, he he says to Jin, I'll be there for you, Jin. Casting yeah. said I had to. But, <laughs> but I think K2 just has a sense of humor mm-hmm. because he's because in the moment where uh uh what is it when uh guerrera's guys show up after they've fought all the stormtroopers and he stands out and goes one hostile and and jin steps out no 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 he's with he's with or it's it's base it's base that targets him and he's and jin steps in front of k2 and says no and you can see it, and I love the way they do his eyes. He looks down, and I I believe that that is the moment he realizes that she's different than mm-hmm. what he first and his first initial thoughts of her. And so I think yeah. he just later that that's that where he says Cassian says I have to is just him being funny. Yeah, and I think it was it was perfect timing because he you know he's looking her directly in the face and realizes that meant something to her. He saw yeah. that when she said that, that, or when he said that to her, that it, it kind of like broke her down a little bit. Like, wow, you know, like this is, you know, that's, you know, that, that touched her in a way. And so I think like you said, then he threw that in there at the end to kind of break like a, you know, too <laughs> yeah. mushy situation or whatever. Break the tension. You, you, you yeah. brought it up with, with his eyes. I, I was noticing that a lot in this watch through. His a lot of his expression is all in his eyes. He doesn't blink. 100%. He can barely move them, but there's a lot of expression he says in his eyes. And they did a really mm-hmm. good job of all of it. And that's like yeah, most of his expressions are done with his eyes, and it's it's great. Not, I love he's just just perfect little little quips. Like where where did you get that blaster? I found it. I found yeah. that answer vague and unconvincing. Yeah. But like, it's, you know it's it's not wrong. That's a, that's a correct even... statement. It sounds vague and unconvincing. Yeah, or you even just the, like at the, the beginning, odds? like when he's like, "Why does she get a blaster and I don't?" Yeah, you know the odds of her using mm-hmm. it against us. And Cassian's just kind of like annoyed. Mm-hmm. He just instead of instead of going you know, like C three PO, three thousand seven hundred twenty to one, he goes high. It's very high. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> he gives the right information. None of uh-huh. it's wrong. It's not you know, it's not like he's cracking jokes. It's just he's saying mm-hmm. factual things. It, with uh, uh, attitude and and yeah. personality, and I thought another interesting point is when um, they're on Edo and um, like I'm trying to think. Of, oh, it's when uh, uh, Chirrut he's like, what did he say? He says something <laughs> along the lines of like, you know, that he he can sense that he's going to kill someone around those who are about to kill. Right, and it? so then she's like, "What?" And then, uh, well, he asked, anyway, he, uh, he asked, he asked Bays because he's blind, and that that's some other comedy that's amazing. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I really I did want to talk about this point because when uh, Chirrut and he tells uh, he uh, Andor Cassian takes uh, Brody Bodie. And to go and spy out the to the facility, mm-hmm. and then so Chirrut asks, "Does he have the face of a killer?" Yeah, that's what it is. And yeah, and Baze 
Bay says, no, he has the face of a friend. Mm-hmm. I love that line. The face of a friend. Yeah. Like, their relationship and, and the way they see the world is awesome. And you get it in mm-hmm. that line right there. No, yeah. he has the face of a friend. Mm-hmm. I I love that, like, so in that moment, too, is where uh, K2SO says, well, he does have, like, his rifle in the sniper formation in or whatever. Configuration, yeah. You know, yeah, configuration. <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting. And it kind of had me, like, sit there and think about it for a minute because giving that information in a way, was kind of going <clears throat> against Andor, right? He was kind of going against Cassian in mm-hmm. t- giving her that information because he he must have known what was going to happen if he told that information to her. And I feel like that was like a really good kind of turning moment in their relationship for one. But two, it's kind of interesting because you're like, oh, he's going almost directly against Cassian. But when you really think about it, He's actually on Cassian's side. He wants her to go and stop Cassian from doing that. You know? Mm-hmm. So it, like it's kind of just like a really cool deeper <clears throat> connection that he had that he doesn't want Cassian to do that. Right? You know, like because he's giving that information knowing that <clears throat> she's obviously going to go and try to stop him. And this is another point where... <clears throat> Uh, Jin asks, well, why do you ask that? Why does she... I think she says, why do you ask if he has the face of a killer? And Chirrut also responds, uh, the force moves darkly around a creature about to kill. Yeah. And I just... There's the little nuggets that you get about the force from a movie that's not supposed to be about the force. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to talk about that too because that actually brings like some really cool meaning and some deeper understanding of lots of other different shows, books, movies, you know, like when you really think about just that super basic point that people Mm -hmm. like, you know, Jedi have the ability to know basically the intentions of somebody before they do it. Right. You know, so even Mm -hmm. if you, you think of like the, think of, you know, the Mace Windu, Palpatine, uh, Mace Windu, Sidious fight, you know, that there's two things you can think about. One, Mace Windu could feel that coming from Sidious, you know, that he's going to kill, obviously. He was already killing everybody else on top of that. But then on the other hand, Anakin probably could feel that Mace Windu was going to kill him, you know, even before it happened. You know what I mean? And so it wasn't just that he was saying, oh, he's too dangerous to be left alive. He wasn't like, that still didn't 100% say that Mace Windu was going to kill him if he had the chance, but Anakin could have possibly felt that was going to happen, and that's why he did it right before. But, I mean, yeah, this it's, it's kind of interesting. Th- this point is probably the, one of the strongest points to Tyler's thought of Chirrut being somewhat so- Force-sensitive, because if you think, like, um, like Rebels, Kanan gets blinded, right? But that doesn't, you know, once, once he kind of accepts it and, and works on it, he, he leans on the force to be his eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And you can kind of think of it as almost like Daredevil, right? Blind, but he can, yeah. he can hear, because he can see because of noises and stuff, right? Well, that's kind of like mm-hmm. what the force is for Chirrut. It's not like because of the force, he can see everything as good as anybody else, but he can he can mm-hmm. feel what's what's happening around him. I mean, come Especially on. Like a that, blind person that... does not get a crossbow and shoot a TIE fighter out of the air with one shot. 
<clears throat> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. There, there's yeah. some force there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I, the other thing, like, it just reminded me too, or like Yoda and Kashyyyk, right? Yeah. Like, if you watch that timing of them, like, some people have said, like, oh, he heard the transmission of them across the that the top, right? That is possible. He has those big ears and everything. But now, if you kind of think about it this way, you know, being able to hear that Order 66, that still wouldn't have had meaning for him. Exactly. If he heard execute Order 66, that doesn't necessarily have meaning. So I think that that's another thing that's like, oh, he probably felt that these, you know, clone troopers were about to kill. I know, almost, so, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. That's real. I actually really like that. I've always thought of that moment being he can just feel the darkness that's surrounding the entire everything and and what is about to happen i feel like but mm-hmm. i also like that point where he you the darkness moves around the creature about to kill and yeah mm-hmm. I, I really like that idea mm-hmm. uh so <clears throat> from the uh rogue one ultimate visual guide we're talking about <laughs> so chirrut's gun is is called the light bow that's what it's what it's called Ooh. It describes it as the light bow is a traditional handcrafted weapon built by a guardian of the wills upon completion of the seventh dawn, marking the guardian's progression to physical perfection. Wow. The bow is largely related to the bowcaster weapons built by the Wookiees of Kashik. The limbs of the bow extend on articulated risers. Each is tipped with a polarizer array that draws a charge particle round from the serving barrel. The release blast is more powerful than a heavy rifle. That's but, why I was able to shoot sweet. down a TIE fighter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome. But that I thought just, yeah, of, that... of physical perfection, um, there was another... Well, keep going. I've got to find this other statement <laughs> about him. In here no, yeah, no, I was just saying that that's just like... Someone without the force, a blind person without the force, doesn't one shot a Tie Fighter out of the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. And and I, I love again. Uh, she he decides when before he gets to that moment, he decides he's going to go after Jin, and mm-hmm. Baze is like, "You're going after uh, Jin alone." And he's and he's like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes to cheer it. I don't need luck. I have you. Mm-hmm. That's a, <laughs> such an amazing part too. <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, crazy old fool, whatever. Then you could just tell him he's like, all right, whatever. I follow you anywhere. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And I do. I like how Baze is kind of cynical. Yeah. Of the way he views the the world but there's a moment where because uh Baze almost makes fun of Chirrut for praying when they're in the cell because he's saying i'm one with the force forces with me i'm one with the force forces mm-hmm. with me and uh so he says Chirrut says to or uh, uh to cassian about Baze. Baze used to be the most devoted guardian of us all mm-hmm and and so it's kind of an interesting turn where he's kind of the cynical one yeah but i also love the fact like the way they end and uh where he has to hit the master switch 
and mm -hmm. and with way Bays is just crying for him. Go come back, you old fool! And <laughs> mm -hmm. and and as soon as he does that, and I love their final Jurt's final words are, uh, "Look for me in the force, and you'll always find me." Yeah. Yep. And mm -hmm. so, and so Bay starts saying, "I'm one with the force. The force is with me." As he goes and destroys a few <clears throat> more Death Troopers. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so this this page is just about Chirrut, and it uh, it talks. It says, "Chirrut Imwe believes that all living things are connected through the Force. His sightless eyes do not prevent him from being a highly skilled warrior. Though he seemingly lacks Force abilities, this warrior monk has." rigorously honed his body through intense physical and mental discipline. And then, mm -hmm. so it kind of gives some more uh, background on the Guardians. Chirrut is from a near-extinct order, the Guardian of the Wills, which is devoted to protecting the Temple of the Kyber in the holy city of Jeddah. An ancient order, its origins are lost to time and inextractably woven into the legends of the Jedi Knights. Some believers insist the Jedi drew inspiration from the followers of Jeddah, while historians summarize it is likely the opposite. Whatever the <laughs> truth, it is it is all a matter of the deepest faith of Chirrut. Chirrut does not speak of how he became blinded, but due to the simplicity of Jeddah medicine, the condition is real and irreversible. He has adapted his new state well, and with mental discipline that filters the most crucial information from his remaining senses, and a keen control of, of body that allows him to move with pinpoint precision through his imagined surroundings. So it's not mm -hmm. just... It's almost like... My, I was thinking, like, yeah, maybe he's somewhat Force-sensitive, but maybe it's that everyone is somewhat Force-sensitive. And when he's, well, when that's he's kind honed of what himself... When he's honed himself that way and had to rely on, on those things after being blinded, it's almost opened him up to more, to more aspects of the Force. That's kind of what I was mm -hmm. saying is that he can't like use it, but he can kind of feel it and see it. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he, he can feel the force moving. Like he can feel a TIE fighter moving through the air. Whereas in, it, yeah, he can't, exactly. he can't like, he can't pull the TIE fighter out of the air with the force, <laughs> mm -hmm. but he can sense its movement. Mm-hmm. Because you see that when he, when he uh, is attacked by all the stormtroopers and he's dodging blaster, blaster bolts and he, he's fighting them all with the, uh, with his stick, with his stick there. Uh, <laughs> I always like that moment. That moment because I think it's one of the funniest moments in the movie. Uh, he, the, when when the uh, Sagarera's crew captures them. And, uh, and mm -hmm. handcuffs them and everything, and then they put a bag over everyone's head. But they put mm -hmm. a bag over Chirrut's head, and he goes, "Are you kidding me? I'm blind." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say another thing about that uh, staff of his. On one end mm -hmm. of it, it has a kyber crystal in it, and, mm -hmm. and it, it's described as uh, it allows Chirrut to better gauge where the end of his staff is. So. As we discussed earlier with Jin's kyber crystal, he could yeah. he could sense that he knows where it's at, and that that mm -hmm. helps him, you know, know where his his weapon is while he's using it. 
Yeah, I do and love, the, I do love that the, line. Yeah, because it's a it's a great moment when he uh, gets it thrown to him and can catch it. It you know it yeah. goes back to that same thing that he can sense it just like he was able to sense the necklace. Yep. I feel like this we've we've kind of really just gone on all different directions for this movie, but I feel like this this movie is more about characters than it is necessarily you know it's it's time and, and what's going on it's the characters that make this movie great yeah i i do think like one really interesting thing in direction this movie kind of goes is with the rebellion at this moment you know the the decisions that they're in the infighting basically mm. like the almost like the semi-civil war within the rebellion about what's the right thing yeah. to do and all this like it was really interesting because i feel like a lot of times you feel like the rebellion's just, it's always good, it's peaceful, it's, you know, unified. And this really, mm -hmm. like, it was a great time, you know, in, in I guess, like, the, the rebellion's history to really dive into, you know, like, into something when nothing's going right, you know? They're have yeah. back, their backs against the wall and everything, so everyone's showing, like, their true colors. Um, I... I really think that, you know, it was such a cool thing to get Bail Organa in there. Once again, like, kind of mm -hmm. grounding this movie yeah. to characters we know and love and care about. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, like, you know, teasing for the end of the film, too. But, yeah, I think that was another thing that this movie did amazing was it took something that we felt we knew everything about, right? And then it just kind of, like, when you're sitting there, you know, in the council with them, and everyone's like, we're going to leave. And like, you know, like, we're not going to, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's making, it, it's making it a real, a real thing. Like that, that council yeah. is, is full of senators, imperial senators, you know, Bail, mm -hmm. that's what Bail Organa was. He was an imperial same senator. Same as yeah. yeah. Yeah, same. And, yeah. and that's, that's what these people are. And, and, and it shows you that the rebellion isn't just people who are fighting, right? right. The rebellion are, are people who, who can fight, but also... You know, Bail Organa was doing everything he could while he was under the reign of the Empire to still try to help people through the Senate. Right. You know, he wasn't just like, mm -hmm. all right, it's the Empire, let them do whatever they want, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, and it was like they were using the tools he had. Yeah, they were fighting on two different fight. fronts. Yep. Mm -hmm. I would, hey, they were fighting in, in the Senate just as much as they were, in, you know, behind the scenes. And so I think that is another cool thing to think <clears> about is. You know, they're trying to help that, you know, he was obviously doing everything he could to help Alderaan, right, for mm -hmm. his people. But then in the in in the huge votes about things, you know, whether it was like, you know, trade and, you know, things like that, embargoes <laughs> and whatever, he was still trying to do everything he could, you know, for the people there. But then it, it was like your classic hero, like all of these people that were in the council were just, you know, were similar to like, a, you brought it up earlier, but like a daredevil, right? So he's he's in, in you know fighting for law and order as a lawyer doing everything he can within those parameters but then when that that doesn't work then mm -hmm. you know he takes matters into his own hands and that's what all of them were doing Mon Mothma, uh, Bail Organa all of them <clears throat> So I, I kind of want to talk more about that that council meeting but I also wanted to bring out did that that line when they're walk walking away and Mon Mothma is like the Jedi that helped you yeah, you should contact the Jedi, and she's—he's yeah. like, I'll send, I'll send word. Uh, he served me well in the Clone Wars, but did you mm -hmm. think of that when he, he, she says, "Well, you you need to send someone 
that you can trust. And he says, I'll trust yeah. her with my life. Did that not feel... I, I feel like that line felt different after the Obi-Wan show. Yeah, big time. And when you get Bill and Leia's relationship in there, and that mm -hmm. he's going to get... He's going to have her contact Obi-Wan. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that that whole moment, it almost... It, had more power now with yeah did he see seeing all their the three of them relationship from the obi-wan mm -hmm. show yeah. yeah i knew it was but coming I, but it gave me big time goosebumps in that moment because yeah, yeah i was just thinking about that you know like exactly what you just said you're thinking about the relationship of bail and his adopted daughter you know, building this mm -hmm. really strong relationship. He's seeing her, you know, be wise beyond her years and, you know, powerful, strong, independent from such a young age, you know, and even the kind of like the last episode, right, of of uh, Obi-Wan when he said, let's do it together. You know, I mm -hmm. mean, like that, yep. that, that drawback was so amazing. And then like on top of that, then you start thinking of like Obi-Wan in the relationship of all three, you know, and like you got to know if, if there's never, if there's not going to be any Obi-Wan, which I hope there is, but if there's none and we, that's the last story we ever get. And that's the last time he ever sees Leia. That's a huge moment because he mm -hmm. knows in his head, there's going to be a reunion of, you know, his daughter and Obi-Wan, you know, that had such a beautiful relationship. And so it, it's kind of like, and I think when he's, he's kind of turning, right. And he has like that smile on his face, right. Yeah. It's just like, I, you know, he's probably so excited that they're going to get to meet again after all these years. Yeah, it was. It's was just one of those great moments, because especially because I'm pretty pretty sure it's Mon Mothma talking to him, and so again yeah. you get all of that, and there the the whole Rebel Alliance and everything, and in the emphasis, and you, and you can see everything. You can see that it's already laid out, and and what's going on. The the sad thing I always feel like is that the moment also <clears throat> like made me really sad. Because I realized yeah. that that means Bale is going to Alderaan. I know. And and you know that that's, mm -hmm. at least uh, in canon, chronologically, that's probably the last you'll ever, the last moment you'll actually see of Bale Argana. Mm -hmm. Even, even if yeah. they do more with him, you know, it's going to be prequel era stuff. That's right. probably the last moment he'll get before a new hope which obviously we know he dies because he's on Alderaan. yeah unless we get to see the, conversa <laughs> the conversation with him and leia him saying to oh, go see one oh. oh man yeah. if they somehow can that do that cool. oh man that'd be so amazing be because good. you know she'd be so excited too now right you know oh man that'd be cool i'm gonna go back to obi-wan <laughs> yeah, how long are that's... Tatooine? No, I hate sand. <laughs> <laughs> that's your father talking. <laughs> yeah. So, I I love all the scenes in this movie that take place on on Yavin Four at the Masasi Temple. That right. was awesome to see more more of that, more of the rebellion there. Like mm -hmm. that's their secret base, right? It's not like you know Coruscant or something. It's it you know we, we it's a place we knew about but wasn't really explored. And there's mm -hmm. there's even another one of those sly Easter eggs that I said that I said there's a part where you you see like a zoomed out of the, the temple, and you see the ghost sitting there from Rebels, mm -hmm. and oh. you can see Chopper. 
you can well, see. Well, I'm thinking, thinking like a casual, a casual viewer might go, "Oh, that's a cool new starship, a cool new you know freighter, cool looking design." But us nerds are like, "That's the ghost, right?" Like, <laughs> I mean, that's that's awesome to us. But it, it's one of those things that, that does not take away in any from the film. It's just something sitting there. It's just a yeah. cool design of a of a freighter, and but to us, it's it's awesome. Speaking of other Easter eggs, you do see chopper rolling around and you can actually hear him i didn't realize until this rewatch <laughs> you can hear him in the background whoop, whoop, whoop. yep <laughs> and it's like <laughs> it's great but then there's later later in the movie you hear i you can't quite tell what they're they're saying if they're trying to get them to come or whatever but it says general sandula uh i think it's like to the conference it's, room it's or something report to something yeah general sandula report yeah to something i can't remember where to mm-hmm. but yeah you get that that Easter egg, dropping that name, General Sindula. Yeah, yeah. Because we know, we know Rebels ends uh, not too long before this, but a good amount before this, right? And mm-hmm. so at that, so but from, they are, from but there are some it, scenes of them on Yavin Four. There are some. Yes, yes, there are there are scenes Rebels. on Yavin Four and Rebels too, and uh, but I, I don't know if she's a general by that point, but you can kind of see that her progression. Mm-hmm. In the rebellion, yeah. and he, at this point here, she is a general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you do see cool. you do see the ghost later on in the battle uh, over Scarif. Mm-hmm. And so, speaking of the the council meeting, they're all arguing. They're like, they don't want to go to war. They want to find a way to change things without having to full on go to war. But mm-hmm. some they're, of them, they're, all, they're also scared of that. Yeah, because they feel like if they go to war, then they're just going to be annihilated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because you got to think they're, they're. I'm not going to say every senator is good, but if you know if if they're in this rebellion, they're probably, you know, Bail Organa, uh, Padme, Mon Mothma kind of senators, right? Right. Who deeply care about more than just themselves. Yeah. So you've got to be thinking about every every action that that Bail Organa is taking in this rebellion is going to affect his planet. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for him, he kind of loses. Yeah, his he bet big, and I mean it needed to. It it saved the galaxy, but it cost him a lot. So mm-hmm. when these senators are talking about about you know going to war, they're not just thinking, you know, oh I I might die. You're a senator. You're not going to be. You're not likely to be fighting on the front lines, but you right. are. You'll be leading a people that are going to suffer a lot in an open war, especially against someone who has the ability to completely destroy your planet, just wipe it out in an instant, and everything's gone. Yeah. So that, that's that's a thing I like to think about is the the senators here are are good people. You know, they they might disagree about how to run the rebellion. They might want to just turn tail and fight, but that's because they're thinking about. The people that they're serving and 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 are responsible for taking care of, but they don't mm-hmm. all agree. No, that's what I like. Radis is like, no, I say we fight, we fight. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love Radis. They love it. Yeah, <laughs> and and I like so after that you get the scene where they're like they were never going to listen to you. Cassian says they were never going to listen yeah. to you, and but he but he says that I just love his approach there of like we've all given so much for the rebellion we've all sacrificed we've all done done bad things for the rebellion mm-hmm. and that because they told he and he says because 
I told myself it was for a cause I believed in. Mm-hmm. And so he's basically saying that, and I don't want to stop now. We need to do this. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole group of people that are like feeling the same way that, that go to do it. And <laughs> like, uh, Bodie's like, well, you know, it'd be cramped, but we'd all fit. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so easy. He's like, well, yeah, I guess we could all be in there. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. I, I really like Radis as a character. I think he's mm-hmm. awesome. And, and I think it fits really well in the fact that people aren't, aren't just like, oh, they just wanted another Akbar. But the, the Mon Calamari were, were huge in the rebellion, especially on the military side, because mm-hmm. they provided a large portion of their, their capital ships. Because and, they're the, the most durable. I, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not the durability. It's it's the shield technology. So they live underwater, and underwater, the pressure of underwater is insane. Especially when you mm-hmm. go when you go start going deep, pressure underwater is incredible. And yeah. so they have developed incredibly strong shielding technology, and that's what makes these these a lot of these uh, Mon Calamari cruisers were luxury, you know, cruise ship type type vehicles but because of that shielding that they have you strap some cannons onto it and you can go toe-to-toe with a death star because of the shielding technology star destroyer, yeah yeah sorry sorry mm-hmm. star destroyer and it's and so like it dang makes, <laughs> it, it, it makes it makes sense it makes sense that you know there'd be a lot of moncali moncali leadership in charge of mm-hmm. space forces and and fighting and there's a a pretty big comic uh, with uh, Radis fighting against the Empire, the very early stages, like like really early, like eighteen BBY, I think is when it, yeah, is when it takes place, and fighting off the Empire above Moncala, and I just I think Radis was a great character. He did a really good job, you know, not just using Admiral Akbar because I feel like they they probably could have just thrown Akbar in there. And, oh, it makes sense, you know, he's for the rebellion from the start, but to create a new character. But one that is is respectable. I like what I liked mm-hmm. the most, not the most, but one of the things I really enjoyed about them is how good he looks. How yeah. good the CGI oh, yeah. on them! They're like mm-hmm. that's just a that's just an alien there. You don't you don't even like Akbar from the old ones. You could see like well that's obviously a guy in a costume. But they take the costume and then all add all the CGI effects on it, and it just looks yeah. so good. Yeah, and- I was gonna kind of bring that like small <clears throat> like small thing up about this movie too. That's another thing that made this movie so incredible was how they blended the CGI with real in this specific movie was incredible. I mean, everybody's going to have different, you know, um, you know, whether how vividly you remember watching in the theater or if you got to watch a rewatch recently, I'd be super jealous. But if you got to see that or what your home TV is, right, everybody's going to have kind of a different experience of what it specifically looks like on wherever you're viewing it. But like, man, just it, from remembering the theater to just watching it last night um, on, on like a new Samsung TV, I was like, man, it just looks, it, the, the movie looks beautiful. The, mm-hmm. the places in Iceland that they filmed in, um, uh, the, the last part was in yes. Maldives. You know, oh my goodness, like the, it was just so <clears throat> beautiful and the ships were like seamless there. Like all the CGI just, mm-hmm. it, it felt right. There wasn't anywhere where I was really like, 
you know, CGI's right in your face. It just it just felt fluid. See, there was a lot of times you could see, like in the Star Destroyers, where you could tell somebody put a lot of time into hand building that model, and mm-hmm. they look amazing. And the lighting, that, like the, the, the lighting, lighting. lighting. hits oh, yep. And it's like that. A lot of them are like the brand new, you know, not even a scratch mark on them. That almost yeah. white kind of gray color. Oh, mm-hmm. it looks so good. I yeah. I will say to your your point there, the one thing. When I watched it in theaters, I don't remember even like noticing Tarkin that much being. And yeah. in my rewatch, I was like, okay, I can see now whatever the first time I, the first time I've ever seen what I can see. But I'm also like, he does so much for this movie that I wouldn't want oh, yeah. him not in the movie because oh, yeah. mm-hmm. because the CG wasn't 100. percent Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though his character and, is so good in this movie. Yeah. I feel like the I don't I don't even know who was the actor behind it, but I feel like he did a good job of again, it's somebody who's trying to be Peter Cushing acting as Tarkin, right? So you're you're not trying to play a character, you're trying to play a character right. as someone else played yeah. a character. And I thought like his mannerisms and everything was really well done. And the voice think- is 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 fantastic. They did a great job with the voice. I don't remember uh, who he, uh, who the actor was, but I believe I remember reading a story. But this isn't the first time he's done voiceover work as Peter Cushing. Yeah, he, I, it's I not the first that. time mm. that he had done. Not necessarily in Star Wars, but as Peter Cushing. Yeah, uh, Peter Cushing's voices, and so he had done research and stuff. I'm. I don't know. Also, don't know this for sure, but I would be willing to bet that he's the same guy who's been voicing him in like the Bad Batch. And oh yeah, I <clears throat> guarantee you it. It's got to be. And I feel like I don't know. Do they do they show do they show Tarkin's feet in this movie? <laughs> I don't think I don't know. Do you, <clears throat> did you know in, in why you got like a foot? In, no, no. no so so in in a New Hope. In a New Hope, you only see Tarkin from the waist up in any shot ever, and it's because Peter Cushing thought that he wasn't wearing. No, no, pants. he was wearing pants. It was the shoes, the shoes that the costume department had for Tarkin. He said they're uncomfortable, so he just wore his slippers whenever he was filming. Could you could you imagine just like Tarkin wearing slippers everywhere because it's more comfortable? And it's it's Peter Cushing. Like he was a decorated actor of the time. He was. Oh yeah. He was. He was one the one of two big names in Star Wars: A New Hope, and so George wasn't about to go. No, you can't do that. Like <laughs> it yeah. was his choice. Him, him and, and Alexander. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you're not going to tell them that you can't do that. No, it was that's what's going to happen. And okay, well, film me from the waist up. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that story. I re- yeah. I'm just picturing. Um, Leia walking in. I recognized your stench when I was brought on board. It's just this old man in slippers. <laughs> and it was from his feet. <laughs> like, you're so mean to this old man, but I guess you know he's really a really bad guy. It's just uh I it's funny. I like I like mm-hmm. his. You can see how much of a bad person Tarkin is in, in this movie because he basically is a bully to Krennic. He doesn't like Krennic at all. He's he, Mm-hmm. He's been like, oh no, the emperor is not going to like what you did. You're you've been delaying so long. And then when he when they test it, and he's like, oh yeah, this is really great. I'm taking it. 
I know. Yeah, and I, I think it's like it's all those games, right? And we had touched on it kind of before, um, uh, I believe, like with the Bad Batch, but and we talked about her today, but Price, right? Like her story, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from the Thrawn books as well. They you can start seeing more of that game too, where people are just you know like Tarkin's a, a big oh, yeah. player there. And so he's just like doing like shady behind the scenes schemes to maintain his power and his status and his prominence, you know, and uh, not only just for him to get better, but he mm-hmm. wants others around him to do bad, right? You know, so he doesn't want to yeah, just look good. Exactly. He wants others to look bad as well to continue to like elevate himself. And this movie played that super mm-hmm. well when exactly what you just said, he's like, oh yeah, like finally it's working. I didn't, you know, I didn't think he'd be able to pull it off, but since you did, I'm taking it. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a, a big failure of the empire itself, because mm-hmm. uh, that's that's kind of what the the problems that the Sith had before the rule of two, right? You defeat the other Sith, you become it's more crazy. powerful. You're at the top, and and that's just what the empire was in a whole. You know, not force users, but other people. You know, beating down the other guy to be, get better themselves, and that's that's you know the empire rotting from within, really. Mm-hmm. Whereas you don't you don't see that in the rebellion. Yeah, and yeah. actually, if you kind of think about it, now I'm just kind of thinking more about the different scenes in this movie. But one epic scene, and if you kind of think about it, Krennic really did view Tarkin as an enemy, which well he should, mm-hmm. based on what yep. happened, right? But you know, Tarkin used a lot of people underneath him, and they were able to benefit based on being kind of like under his wing, so to speak. If Krennic yeah would have viewed Tarkin as like a partner, you know, and said like, oh, I got it working. And he said, I'm going to take him be like, perfect. You know, just give me a good spot there. Right. I feel like that relationship would have been a little different. And then you kind of cut to the scene with Vader. We haven't even really talked about him, but when he's oh, like saying there. like, oh, you're, you're going to tell the emperor about how great I am and all this type of stuff. And then he just force yep. jokes him. And he says that <laughs> awesome line where he's like, don't <laughs> choke, on your, choke on your aspirations. It, it was so amazing. Like it was like, I, that Anakin was being funny. You know? <laughs> like, okay. This, that, that moment, that line though, I noticed so much more. Because that's all that Krennic is, is aspiration. That's what he wants. He yeah. wants to get bigger. He wants to, you, you're going to tell the emperor, right? I, I'm going to have a higher place. And I mm-hmm. love that scene and the irony when, when the Death Star appears over Scarif and he's lying there being built, mm-hmm. or, or he's lying there already defeated. And he can see that you are literally, he's literally killed by his aspirations. Yeah, the Death Star yeah. was his his project <laughs> he built, and the irony is that he is killed by his aspiration. <clears throat> I love mm-hmm. that that Tarkin's like target the base on Scarif, and what they do is they target the antenna, which is like right where he's sitting. <laughs> like, it, I mean, it, the explosion destroys everything eventually, right. but it just boom picks off the very top of that. So it was direct hit on Krennic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Headshot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it's it is I because uh, you know you kind of giggle at don't choke on your aspirations, but then I, I kind of I thought about that. That's entirely who he is, and then the yeah. irony that he's killed by his his project, his aspirations. It's it's quite it, it's something. It, it I kind of looked at it a new way, like 
it's just it's just interesting to be destroyed by the very thing Vader that you wanted not to <laughs> be destroyed yeah. by. And it's it's interesting too because like you see this also in the Obi Wan um, series as well. But you know when Vader is saying this, this that's personal experience. That's what happened to right. him as Anakin. You know he he turned into Vader basically because of his aspirations. He was aspiring to be something greater within in the Jedi, and he was continually getting doors closed in his face. And if he could have, you know, stopped aspiring for further than his station, that he wouldn't have, you know, turned. So it is kind of interesting, like, when you think of, like, the bigger picture there, too, is, you know, he choked on his own aspirations within the Jedi, you know, and that's what led him to where he was at. So this advice wasn't just, like, an empty advice, too. Like, he actually lived that same mm -hmm. thing that he was telling him. It wasn't just a pun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, I wish yeah, friend, he, he like had a, a little smirk under that helmet. We had a we have a friend who who loves doing puns and I remember him like Darth Vader used a pun. <laughs> <laughs> He's just laughing so hard about that. Uh, yeah, that was but, awesome. I love that scene. So, I love uh kind of getting back to when when they right, decide on, that on. they're gonna go fight, hold on. We're, we're, sorry, we're, we're, we're we got to the Vader thing, and I gotta I gotta keep going with it. This is the movie. This is this is this piece of Star Wars media that gave us the castle on Mustafar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about that. That is such a, a like a, a staple. Like right now, you just say, Where, "Where's Vader's base? His castle? It's Mustafar." But that's this movie's the one that gave us that, and and we mm -hmm. built. I mean, we had more lots of Star Wars media build around that. Think about the that, hate and anger you that, have that, to be. That fortress, when you see it, the lava flowing through it, oh, that's is amazing. So cool when they when you first see it. That mm -hmm. was cinematically amazing. Like you're getting goosebumps the first time you saw it. Yeah. Yes. And because yeah, it's like you don't see a lot of lava, but you're like, oh, I wonder if this is Mustafar. And then you're, like, it's his castle. And mm -hmm. you're like, it's gotta be Mustafar. That's and to think of the anger and the hate and the everything the way he is, he would build his castle. How cynical do you have to be to build your castle where you became defigured and the menacing figure that you are? Mm-hmm. So like yeah. he, he, he just enough. wants to feed that hate. That's the the place literally would feed that hate, and that's the whole point of why yeah. he would build it on Mustafar. It's either that or punch your own injuries, like Kylo. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I think this castle's a little cooler. But then, <laughs> you know, we, we get him. We get him in his in his back to tank. We get him in his back to tank, where that's where he's like, when he's not being the menacing Vader, he needs some kind of relief yeah. from the pain that he's constantly mm -hmm. in. And we didn't really realize this, but this was a huge <laughs> teaser to the Obi-Wan show of seeing him in the in the back to tank and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like how he had just had servants in, yeah. in his and he's like, Lord Vader, there's someone here to see you. <laughs> yeah. I know, just like a random old guy. But that and that's another part where when I was watching this it reminded me of the theater. Because when you see that black robe walking up 
I was just like, who's this going to well, be? See, you like, see oh, the, the, man, the shadow, right? Because the mm-hmm. door opens and the light comes from behind him. You just see the big, you can see the, the Vader helmet and the shadow. And, mm-hmm. it's, and, and then, you yeah, then see it ends Kren- up being like, face getting, like nervous. Yeah. <clears throat> like everyone, I mean, you're talking to Vader. Well, yeah. especially at this point, Vader has a reputation in the Empire, right? There's pretty much mm-hmm. only two people who don't fear Vader. And weirdly, one of them is Tarkin. Yeah. And, and the and the other one would be the Emperor himself. I feel like <laughs> Tarkin doesn't fear Vader, but has a deep respect for his ability for... Like he, yes. Like, like Tarkin knows that... If Vader wanted to kill him, he'd kill him. Like he's, he's not, like, yeah, he's not scared of him because, he, like, he's not scared of that because he knows that he has a, a prominent position with the Emperor. But he he mm-hmm. has a respect for his abilities. Yeah. So, uh, kind of getting back to that part where they all start to get, they leave uh, Yavin Four to go on the attack. Well, and and I love the moment where this is. Rogue One, Rogue One. There is no Rogue One. Yeah, and I, I like that. And then so, and their, uh, their speech there. And uh, Jin says, you know, Cassian's Saw Gerrera speech. Jin and Saw, or Jin and and Cassian speech. quote. Where with uh, give a man a a stick and uh, what it was give a man a stick. And with, um, no, a man with a, a man with a stick and nothing to lose can take the day. Yes, mm-hmm. that <clears throat> and then and then Cassians like go out there, we'll set all this stuff, and we'll make ten men feel like a hundred. Mm-hmm. And it's just that that moment is just <clears throat> awesome. But I like when they start when all the explosions start happening. They get re- the rebel base gets. Uh chatter back from the Empire saying that the Scarif mm-hmm. base is under attack. Right, rebels and, on Scarif. And so, the guy who just receives the transmission, he runs out to, uh, what was it? Uh, General Gra- D- uh, Davin or Dravin and Mon Mothma mm-hmm. and relays the message and they're like, Where, where's where's Admiral Radis? And, they, and someone just says, he's returned to his ship. He's going to fight! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I love he, that. He, like, he didn't convene the council anymore. He was like, "This is this is it." Yeah, I have these forces under my control, and this is this is that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And we already there's have the, people on the ground. Yep. There's another scene early on on the Scarif when uh, they're in that little shuttle going from the the bay into the into the building. Uh, K two, Cassian and Jin, and Cassian goes, "We're going to need to find a map." And and K two is like K two goes. Well, I'm sure we'll find one just lying around. And <laughs> and I feel like that line is not just it's not funny. It's it's because mm-hmm. Cassian then goes. You know what you have to do. And mm-hmm. and we see it that he has to you know confront, take control of a of another one of his droids, and basically probe for information. <laughs> and you can kind of tell it. You feel that in his in his mannerisms when he says, "I'm sure we'll find a map lying around." And when mm-hmm. Cassian says, you know what you have to do, he's saying, I don't want to do that, right? Yeah. He said, I don't want to hurt another another droid like mm-hmm. that, even though he knows he has to. You could you could tell that he's not it's one of those we've all done terrible things for the for the Rebel Alliance. That's one of K2's terrible things that he ends up having to do that he doesn't really want mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. 
And I just I love the uh the battle above Scarif. It is one of the mm. coolest. It's it's one of the best battle fights. The I love the fact that they used spliced old footage from A New Hope with Gold Leader. Yes, that was I love, that was one, I love of, the fact one of that, Garth's favorite things. The director, when he was able to go into Skywalker Ranch and like dig in to old school, unused, unseen footage of movies, and he was describing it was like a kid in a candy store to get to see all this yeah. stuff from. I mean, could you imagine going being able to go and do that, and and no. and to know that you're creating <laughs> something with this? I mean, there's a lot of of lines. Uh, good lines that I that are from Gold Leader and Red Leader, and they just look awesome. It fits, absolutely fits perfectly. You you it, you know that they're in the battle coming up soon, and I really like, I really like uh, the leader of Blue Squadron because originally, yes, originally Blue Squadron was actually George had planned it, but I, I think it has to do with like the markings that the the blue didn't. Ho- work as right. well uh, for the the CGI they were doing in the 70s. So that's why they went with red and gold. So there's another Easter egg bringing Blue mm-hmm. Squadron in. But it kind of gave you this this new squad and tactically it made perfect sense, right? Blue Squadron had had U-Wings and, and soldier support. That's why I think this, this scene is done really well mm-hmm. tactically, like an actual battle. So when, mm-hmm. as soon as they arrive, as soon as they arrive, Blue Squadron, get to the ground. Help support the fighters on the ground, because you because you know that it's a shield world, right? They have this gate, and you know the defense is to just close the gate, right? So the first thing mm-hmm. that Admiral Rado says is get to the ground, get through that gate, and, and even, only Blue even Squadron a goes. Up, yep, only Blue Squadron goes. But the thing I was going to say about the leader of Blue Squadron, you can tell he's a really good pilot, right? He's He's the leader of the squadron. He's got really good skill. He, he, you know, defends a few times. You see some cool, some cool shots of him, and then he ends up, he ends up dying. Right. What you don't see is him somehow in a twenty-five second clip linking t- 11, 12, 15 Tie Fighter kills in a row in in a twenty-five second clip. You know, it doesn't seem unnaturally <laughs> amazing. You mean, te- you mean you're comparing him to Poe? Yes, I'm comparing to Poe <laughs> in, in The Force Awakens when in a 25-second clip he puts together, you know, 10 or 15 kills of TIE Fighters. But, you mm-hmm. know, he, he leads his team, and you get the awesome scenes of the U-Wings reinforcing people, re- reinforcing the ground troops on the beach. I absolutely... I get chills in that scene when the U-Wing lands <laughs> and the guys get out, For Jedi! You know, like they weren't. I love that line because the rebellion had splintered at that point, right? The the Sagarera's faction on Jeddah was not part of the rebellion, but you know, yeah. the frontline soldiers were probably, you know, they probably knew each other from that group. They knew had friends in that group, so that was still something that they were they were fighting for, right? For the mm-hmm. the avenging what happened to Jeddah, and I, mm-hmm. I I just I love well, that scene. What I loved about that is you talk about uh, the the lead pilot. He was a general, and I. The first thing I thought is that's a general in an X-wing. He's not on a bridge mm-hmm. of a ship, commanding yeah. what to do. He's in an X-wing. The, he he's just like the Jedi, where you know they led by example. He's mm-hmm. like I might be a general, but I'm on the front lines in an X-wing with with everyone else. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's why I kind of that I really liked that moment uh, where he's flying around and they're they're asking him for directions and and they call him general. I just thought that was an interesting like Eve, the rebellion, the leaders in the rebellion is kind of the point. They lead by example, not just by you their know leaders, the, lead, the leaders just being yeah they're 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 not bosses they're leaders. Yeah, yeah and I, I think just like a quick <clears throat> shout out to the chat because people had been talking about this, the battles in this movie. Like, uh, so Senator O'Reilly said that even the ground battles felt more like real ground battles. And then uh, Asparagus uh, Daiquiri too was just talking about um, the the movie in general, but said, uh, I watched Star Wars mostly for the space battles and they have great looking ones in these movies. And, you know, he was talking about The Last Jedi and Rogue One. Um, uh, but, yeah, so this movie is, it, it hits, like, so many amazing things. Like you said, the characters, the development, the actors, Felicity Jones, Forrest Whitaker. Um, I do want to touch on that before we end later. But um, just the actors did amazing. But not only, like, the space battles, which were awesome, <laughs> but then we get these ground battles, you know, like, because mm-hmm. there's Attack of the Clones, right? <laughs> we have some really cool mm-hmm. ground battles um you know on uh, uh geonosis and then on kashik too there's some cool uh, ground battles but yeah this one i think what, like uh, senator o'reilly said is it felt real you know like in, oh, yeah. in, in like super real like what quentin said too is like you know the the leader Tactics. general ace pilot dies you know like that that's that's real you know like yeah. you know it's not like double kill triple kill killtacular you know, like it was, you know, he, he did his mission, but they were going up against incredible odds. What so, I like yeah, too yeah. about this this movie is especially Rogue One, everyone that went with him pretty much knew that this was a suicide mission. Yeah. And and even the pilots that went down in part of Blue Squadron, I'm pretty sure knew that in some some way this was a suicide mission. There's there is no coming back. Even mm-hmm. uh, Bodhi was meant to stay on the ship to, oh, I love to, that scene. Uh, keep it running so that they could get out. But yeah, at some point, some point he realizes that they're not getting out of this. He needs to uh, run that uh, line so that they can send a message out that to to the fleet above that all they need to do is destroy the shield gate so they can get the message out so they can send the plans. Mm-hmm. I was I was watching that scene. They talk about they need to find a monster switch, right? Is what they keep saying, but it's not like there's there's this scene. It's not like you just tell them, okay, go find the master switch, and that's where he leaves it, right? You, there's a scene where the where the where the, the other guy goes to Bodhi, like, well, what does it look like? Describe it. You know, they ask that question. We we don't get yeah. the description from Bodhi. We don't need the description from Bodhi, but it gives us background as to how they know what they're looking for. You know, it's not like right. Bodhi said, go find the master switch, and they didn't went and found it. You know, they gave us yeah. this description and really asked for the description. And you, so you could tell there was reasoning for they, why they knew where to go. And then you mm-hmm. get you get the AT-ATs. And I, I, I like this this idea behind them because the, they're not the same AT-ATs you see like on Hoth, right? Yeah. These are they're cargo transports. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because Scarif, Scarif is not necessarily a military installation. It has defenses because yeah. it's, you know, it's Imperial. But it's not a military installation first and foremost, and I love you know they're you have there's when when those things roll in the ground force is like oh no this this is this is really bad news for us, mm-hmm. and that's when you get 
blue squadron rolling in. You know, the X-Wings attack. And I do like that, one, these AT-ATs are weaker armored, but two X-Wings have stronger weaponry than the, air, than the Snowspeeders did. Yeah, so that's sense the first thing I thought. Able, Those are... That they're able to, you know, actually fight these things. Not that the armor yeah. is too strong for blasters. One, their armor is weaker. And two, these blasters are much more powerful in an X-Wing versus the Snowspeeders. Yeah. yeah. But then you also see... The, in, the introduction. I remember the first time I saw the U wing, and I, I was, I wasn't like, okay, this is this is. I was like, man, eh, just added another ship for who cares reason. But I think they did it really well. The U wing being almost the U wing is the, cool. The, the U wing is the Rebel Alliance's what they scrapped together to be their LA eighty, their low altitude air transport. It's. It's a transport to reinforce troops on the beach, but it's also a gunship platform. I love that scene mm-hmm. where the, the guy's like hanging out the door on his. It's a the visual book describes it as a the guy the, the book describes it as a, a heavy ion blaster. And oh, we yeah, know that he takes out the knee. You take we know that ion is a technology that is damaging to to circuits, electronics, you know, ships and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's got that that blue that blue look to it when it's coming out, and they're. They're going in a circle around kind of like the Snowspeeders did, but he's focusing fire on that AT-AT's knee. And you can mm-hmm. it, it doesn't like it's weird because the the way they they chose to do the CGI on it, it's not like it explodes, right? It almost like shreds. Like yeah, it, it falls like apart and then, and then the AT-AT falls. Yeah, because yeah. the knee the knee's gone. Of course it's gonna fall. But it's it, it's not like an explosion. I mean, it does kind of explode, but it, it like shreds the metal and it, it just looks really cool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I le- like that is one of the things is like this movie is so good in these moments and especially when uh like Bodhi realizes that this is this is it, this is the end game. But it's not just him, it's everyone. Everyone yeah. you know everyone gets they that need moment to get... too though. And it's, so, it's I think so that one guy perfect. They need, they need to get to the master switch. So one guy comes out of cover and instantly is shot. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. and Chirrut goes, okay, well, I'm one with the force. The force is with me. And he walks through. And this is, this is the instance yeah. where I feel like the force uses someone to get their will done because mm-hmm. he's able to walk and none of them can hit him. It's almost yeah. like the force is just protecting him to be able to get that switch triggered because as soon as he yeah. gets that done he shot a bunch mm-hmm. and that's where you get Bay's crying after him and and that that was a real touching scene when he's like look uh look into the forest and you'll always find me mm-hmm. and i just mm-hmm. that move and then Bay's because I'm one with the force, the force is with me. And then he, he marches to take down a few more death troopers, but then the one has the grenade in his hand. Mm-hmm. And you just, just, just knows that that's over. And it's it's like, they made it so well where every character's death meant something. They were like, not, that wasn't yeah. it. That wasn't, it wasn't a side character that just died. You're like, no, they all, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. they all die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like Bodhi, uh, I I love Bodhi's character in this movie, and I it's one of my favorite stories too because uh, the actor who played Bodhi is not was not an actor before this. He, he is was now just one of the he was just one of the <laughs> the fans of Star Wars that heard Star Wars was you know 
asking for actors, potential actors, and he threw together a tape and he sent it to him because he wanted to play in a Star Wars movie. That I'm pretty was, sure yeah. he's won an Oscar or an Emmy or something for his acting now. I know, but could not you imagine, for this like, movie, we, but that's how we started is just being a super fan of the of the series. It's, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a thing that I love is just other people out there who have this kind of passion for for Star Wars who get to do these projects is is just awesome, and he does such a good job with this this like scared. He's kind of kind of scared character. He feels bad for the things that he's done as as the Empire, but he's told he can make it right. Yeah, then, Galen says. Galen says I can, I can, I can get right by myself. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. I love that part because, you know, we we get once again. I, I want to bring this up, but we get his hologram message right to Saw slash Jin, and mm-hmm. he he kind of tells like his whole story, you know, briefly of you know how he got to where he was and things like that. But then I I feel like Bodhi's character gives that life it gives that meaning it it gives what he said in that hologram message like legs right to be like whoa so he's not just there doing what he is head down like he's finding other people who also feel the same way as him Mm -hmm. you know like it it can't just be Bodhi he was probably talking to lots of people trying to get them to see you know that the empire is bad and you know maybe other maybe there's possibly other people that worked within his installation that felt the same way as him because he couldn't he couldn't have done that by himself he couldn't have you know not only you know it, like in the the building of it made that weakness but he had to have people to implement what he was saying that they're mm-hmm. all geniuses all those people understand that that could be a weakness so somebody there had to be other people who at least to some extent were on his side in there which is which gives galen's character such more such more meaning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know uh interesting side point uh the actor mads milkerson mads milkerson yeah. so his, his brother is who does the voice in rebels of thrawn Oh really? His actual That's brother, cool. <laughs> uh, Lars Mil- Milkerson, does the voice of Thrawn. <laughs> yeah, and so it's, I always, it's all funny. Just the I always family. think of him in 007. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what I, I, I remember when I first saw the trailers for this movie. I was like, "Oh, that's the bad guy from 007." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, so I just the whole movie when they. Uh, you also get the the tease the teases when they're looking for all the uh the drive for the the plans yeah and you get you get war mantle which is what we were mm-hmm. talking about last week in the bad batch mm-hmm. uh, another one is black saber yeah <laughs> i wonder if they're going to be like flashbacks tracking. uh yeah hyperspace tracking uh, mm-hmm. I wonder if you'll get any like flashbacks in like the Mandalorian of, you know, codename Black Saber, which is probably something to do with Moff Gideon. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and Moff Gideon in the Purge of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. If that was the code name that the Death Star gave yeah. the Purge of Mandalore was Black Saber. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, pretty, but, but... pretty cool. Isn't oh yeah the purge would have would have happened before this right yeah because it happened before <clears throat> or a little bit after rebels but it would have happened before 
Rogue One, okay, I believe. So I, know, I know what happened after Rebels. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I, if you watch the tra- the trailer for Mando season three, I didn't even notice this the first time I saw it, but you see that domed city in 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 like shambles, like completely destroyed. It looks awesome. But yeah, mm-hmm. so this this movie, <clears throat> so they get the plans out and they all die. <clears throat> And you kind of think like, okay, well, that's probably about the end of the movie. But then they they start making the escape. You see all them jumping to hyperspace. And I love the part when Vader's Star Destroyer comes in. And you just like know that that Star Destroyer is different. Mm-hmm. It shows yeah, up. Right. And because and, of the music. The music is like sad, but also terrifying. It's kind of mm-hmm. it's a weird... Uh, especially the sad music when the when the Death Star enters the atmosphere and you can see it on the horizon and you can see how big the Death Star is. Again, I talked about scale earlier. When it when you see it on the horizon and Krennic just looks it straight in the face, knowing there's my aspirations and mm-hmm. about to die, and you just but it's a weird somber music, but it's also kind of like terrifying. But it's also sad because you know all the characters are dying, and so the music in this instance is so well written, and mm. it's not even John it, Williams. Yeah, I know. That's what I was gonna say. I think they did a he did an amazing job, you know, and like obviously tying in the John Williams throughout the movie. But no, I was just laughing when you said Horizon because it reminded me of that. <laughs> There's a problem with the Horizon. There is no Horizon. <laughs> there is no Horizon. <laughs> yes uh, but so then Vader's uh, I like how Tarkin he's like uh, should we should we help with the fleet he's like nope target the base on Scarif Lord Vader will handle the fleet yeah and, and you then, don't even know at that point that Vader is coming in and yeah. and then just a few a few minutes later, you see his ship arrive in his star destroyer, and you just know that that star destroyer is different because you see ships crashing into it right before they they're going to hyperspace, and then you get the at that point what every Star Wars fan had thought of when they think of Darth Vader, the terrifying haunting scene the the hallway scene mm-hmm. and that scene is so <laughs> chilling because you, you know you also can feel like it's so cynical because he could like easily wipe them out and it's almost like he's feeding off their fear and taking his time exactly killing yeah. them just like obi-wan the series you know when yes. you know people are talking about like how crazy that is but exactly what you said you know like the dark side fears off that you know, pain, suffering, fear, and he's like, he's playing with them, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't have to mm-hmm. even, you know, taking someone and holding him up against the wall and, you know, crushing Yeah, he's holding up against the roof and then he just, he just slices them as he walks by. Mm-hmm. Or, and then the, the, yeah, the other scene, oh, man. the other scene, there's like four of them left and he's like, you, you guys are silly and he just pulls all their weapons away and he's like, these aren't doing anything anyway, but now you really have no, no ch- chance. Like I just pulled yeah. all your weapons out of your hands, and I'm just going to cut you down. And mm-hmm. I like the the sacrifice, and they realize they're not going to make it, and so he hands them the card. 
and, and so then you see as they're running away and the one that detaches them is <clears throat> is Garth Edwards the director of the movie and I just I love that scene when when they hand it to Leia and they're like what have they brought us and she just says oh. hope and that's, Amazing. and that's the movie and that's the movie the, and it's the end of the movie you, you kind of kind of thought they might expand on it and but it's like they brought us hope and then boom cut to black that's the end of the movie oh i love that that sound though that the alarm blaring which yes. is the, the yeah. same alarm it starts off a new hope mm -hmm. when they come through that's awesome Mm -hmm. There were there was there were some more things I wanted to talk about in just the the space battle going on overhead while this is happening. I felt like it was it was done really well again to the point of like strategically you can hear uh, the different people calling out different orders right and uh, every time I hear either gold leader or red leader talk it just gave me chills. The, I remember the first time watching the movie like that was actually them right just. Things that were shot in 19, you know, the late 70s, 76. The movie came out in 77, so it was probably shot in like 76, maybe 77. But then then cut from the film, right? But they had those things shot. Lines like, um, uh, he's like, we're, we're going to start our attack run on the shield gate. And then, mm -hmm. and then Gold Leader goes, keep it tight and watch out for those towers. You know that was that was filmed for... Uh, for a new hope I and mean, there's lines they talk about the towers all the time in that but then you know there's there's defense towers on the shield gate firing back at them i literally you get... I, I thought about that moment when i was watching the movie because he says that and but the next scene they show is the towers on the on the shield yep, gate straight shooting them shooting at them so it, it doesn't make so it doesn't feel out of place because like that's the next shot yeah because it's like it's like he's like okay i have these lines i have to work with right so he puts that line there, keep it tight and watch out for those towers. And, it, and then, boop, you know, right then, they're making a dive into the shield gate and there's towers on it firing back at them. And then you get the, mm -hmm. you get the scene of Red Leader. Red Leader says, stick close, Red Five, where are you going? Yes. Which which was cut. That, that, didn't, that didn't happen. But then you see Red Five getting destroyed. Oh, there's an opening. You know, <laughs> they got an open position for Red Five in, for the, you know, the next 20 minutes. <clears throat> But, and, the, and then there's a, a line where Gold Leader just yells, uh, ju just says, hit that opening. And then a whole group of Y-Wings, you know, yes, sir. And they, they go in and they, they ion torpedo this Death Star because Red, Red Squad probably cleared out the TIE Fighter, gave them a clear path for the Y-Wings to go in and ion mm -hmm. bomb this the Death Star, or the Star Destroyer. And it's just like the tactics, like the leaders taking lead, and it's it's almost like they had they had these these sound footages, right? Or these sound these sound clips, but they were really good strategic like leadership sound clips that just played mm -hmm. really well into again the tactics of this this space battle of, of the leaders making calls, seeing things going on in the battlefield. You know, hit that opening that we just we just made for you, and then yeah, the the Easter egg of all Easter eggs. Um, with Admiral Raddus is like, get me a hammerhead Corvette. Yes. The Easter egg of all <laughs> Easter eggs. This was, I was crying when I when, the, when this part came on screen because, <laughs> because at this point we we had gotten them in Rebels already, hadn't we? I don't I'm know. Sure, I'm pretty sure we did. We had gotten them, we had gotten them in Rebels. I'm pretty sure we did. And even that was a huge Easter egg. You know these ancient ancient cargo ships from 
an ancient era. And because the, this the Hammerhead Corvette is the very is the very first ship that you start out on in Knights of Republic. So this is a four thousand mm. year old ship design, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're as as a fan, I remember seeing it. I was like, "Oh, that was cool!" And then here we get to see it in live action. Like that was so awesome. Yeah, I'm, it was. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've read that 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 crew that went down with the shield gate also perished, and like that was that was them again doing something that needed to be done to get these plans out. Like every every death was like perfect and and meaningful in this these mm-hmm. last few minutes of sacrifice. And I, I love this this idea of uh, a star destroyer that's disabled, right? It doesn't have any end. It doesn't have any power. Everything is completely disabled. On that's what that's what Ion does. You see that with the Ion cannon in Hoth, right? And so, um, do you guys hear a loud buzzing sound? <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It's uh, from just. Uh, is it mine? Yeah, I'm missing. Is somebody mowing the lawn there? <laughs> Um, but you think about it it's it's a star destroyer just floating in space right so obviously this corvette which has massive engines on it right has like those four massive engines on the back of it being able to push an object in space right because an object in space is just floating it's weightless basically it has mass so it takes force to move it but it's like weightless in, in a way able to push it straight into the other one and then down into the shield gate and that's how they get the shield gate open was just just mm-hmm. awesome yeah i thought that was i mean just seeing that hammerhead corvette was just massive massive easter egg goosebumps for us back to the public fans so yeah i think that this movie has just this was the perfect time to rewatch this movie because now I'm super excited for Andor and to get more on on this uh, oh, to yeah. this character and, and some of these other characters. I'm just so excited now for Andor. We only have to wait till Wednesday. We're getting three episodes. I've heard that they're a little closer to 30 minutes, so it's only about a little over I've 90 seen, minutes. I've, I've seen the runtime for the first three movies. It's thir- for the first episodes. 39 minutes for the first one. 35 minutes for the second one, 40 minutes for the third one. So, so it's barely it's, it's it's like an hour and 50 minutes long. It's almost 2 hours for the three movie for the first three episodes. That's that's a feature length film right there. Cuz cuz they yeah. they've released the first four episodes to like uh critics. Um mm-hmm. <clears throat> I I watched like a short clip of I think it was Eckhart Slaughter got access to it and I didn't want to watch a lot cuz I didn't want spoilers. <clears throat> But he was even he was saying it's really good. And I'm like, oh man, I am so excited for this. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking another thing, another kind of theme in this in this film. At the very begin, at the very beginning, uh, Jin's mom tells Krennic, "You'll never win," mm-hmm. right? And then uh, Galen, when they're on Edo, says, "You'll never win." And then at the end, uh, Jin. Told, ha, t- doesn't say you'll never win, just tells them you've lost. And that's an awesome, like, every member of the family goes from you'll never win, yeah. to you've lost. This is it. We've done it. We've beaten you. Our family has beaten you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Kohani said I almost spoiled it because I, after watching the movie last night, I almost watched the nine-minute special on Andor. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch it now, and she's like, no, don't spoil it. I do think that's more <laughs> mm-hmm. behind the scenes. It's not like. Yeah, I watched like preview, the first twenty but, seconds, and then she's like, "No, but, no, I don't want to watch this." And so I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's almost like I'd say as much of ev- advertisement for the show, or it's also like it's almost like a nine minute trailer of their you know behind the scenes they do for all their TV shows. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think we've covered quite a bit. There's so much to talk about in this movie. And mm-hmm. uh, there's this movie is so good. You can see uh, when when Quentin you know actually likes a Star get? Wars movie, he really. You know what else we get in this film? That is awesome. <laughs> you get you get that. <laughs> yeah. Warwick Davis, another cameo. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that yeah. he's still so passionate. Like he was one of those. He was a kid. Who got to be an Ewok because he fit the description of an Ewok, and it's been a passion yeah. of his ever since. And it's it's awesome to see him still have that passion, you know, 30, 40 years later, still being involved in and enjoying this universe with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I can't... I, so I just have to say one time. Um, I just didn't want to jump back in the middle of we were talking about everything else, but so the the scene that we get with Jen and saw Guerrera, you mm-hmm. know, like that was such an amazing moment. You know, we've been talking about like how this movie is so much about characters and the emotion and the relationships. It was such an amazing thing because, you know, you, you get them the beginning story, right. But then you don't get the story until that moment about when she's 16 and mm-hmm. so from the moment she's 16 up until current, she felt like he was, he that saw abandoned her, right? But he, his, you know, his viewpoint on the whole thing is that he was saving her. Yes. You know? And so you, you get this like deep emotion and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I love the part where, so they're having this like super close, deep, deep, deep conversation. And they're starting to like finally understand each other after years, right? And they're kind of getting on the same page. But then I, I love that moment when Saw mistakes the whole situation. And you can just see, like, his heart break. Like, man, Forrest Whitaker in this moment is just, like, top-notch acting. He's like, right. wait, like, were you sent to kill me? You know? And, like, he's just, mm-hmm. like, right there on screen. 100% emotions just bared. You know, like after everything you know like feels like she's his daughter right and you know he's like were you coming here to kill me you know and like oh man it just still gives me goosebumps even just thinking about it It was just such an amazing moment there and like shows the the feelings that he had for her and you know once again made his death in this movie so much more epic as well how how iconic is that that saying save the rebellion Save the dream, as as she's running away. It's his dream. Mm-hmm. That's what she. That's what he's telling. Is save my dream of a free society. Of yeah. that was his whole point was to free Onderon from the separatist control. <clears throat> I was gonna and, say, 
we have seen Saw Gerrera fighting for a long time. Yeah. And unfortunately, he does not get to see the fruits of his labor in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I do. I love that line. Save the rebellion, save the dream. It's it's mm-hmm. it's so good. And I yeah, this movie is it's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, and I, I think once again, like how we had talked about Hooray, right? <laughs> but in this, like Jen is like she's she does some amazing things and she goes on these missions and she does some cool stuff and everything but i love once again here that it's all explained saw straight up says when like she was like i was 16 years old and he was like you were the one you were like my best resistant you were like one of the best resistant fighters so right there it Mm -hmm. just it totally explains every skill that she has throughout the rest of the movie she was a resistance fighter and one of the best from so we didn't have trained to see by... her training. Yeah, and by Saw, by Saw Gerrera. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I remember after this movie came out, and I love this movie, we got the poster for the fourth season of Rebels. And it had mm. the main character zoomed, you know, zoomed away, and behind them, real big, was Saw Gerrera. And at the top it said, Save the Rebellion, Save the Dream. I remember that oh, got me man. so excited for season four of Rebels. Mm-hmm. Just that poster, like, oh, more Saw Gerrera. And so, mm-hmm. and we've seen a lot of him now between between his character in Rebels, which is more closely his character here, yeah. and his character in the Clone Wars, and uh, now the Bad Batch. More of him in the Bad Batch, yeah. and the Bad Batch. And, he's and, uh, in, in, Jedi in Rebels. Fallen he's Order. like in yeah, and Jedi Fallen. Yeah. But I feel like in the Clone Wars, he's learning who he is to be. You know, he's just he's just trying to fight the bad guys, right? He's and right. and he suffers that huge loss, and then in the Bad Batch. You see him as a leader. He is a leader mm-hmm. in the Bad Batch, right? He's not just yeah. a fighter anymore. He's become a leader. And mm-hmm. I feel like, like you, like you mentioned, Forrest Whitaker did a really good job acting, playing this character. And I feel like, because he's, I, I, it's confirmed that it's it's Forrest Whitaker, right? In in the Andor show, I'm pretty sure yeah. he's in it. Yeah. And I'm excited to see more of he him also did playing the voice. Saw Gerrera. He also took over the voice uh, for him, I think, in both... Jedi Fallen Order and Rebels. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'm just excited to see him act as this character again, right? I know. Maybe maybe a little bit pre his injuries. Oh, maybe. man. That's what I was going to say. Thanks for just reminding me. I have <laughs> Who to makes say this, this look so menacing? Just oh, taking man. a breath of air. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's so good. So good. Uh, but you just reminded me. So what I also wanted to mention was... So... We're getting Andor. We know Forrest Whitaker's in it. So in the moment when they're basically escaping, Cassie and Andor comes, gets Jen, grabs her by the hand, and they start fleeing. He saves. He stays, right? But mm-hmm. did you guys notice that, like, two-and-a-half-second stare-off between Saw Gerrera and Cassie and Andor? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love it because they didn't even say a word, but there was so mm-hmm. much in that. And that's beautiful because of the show. They can go anywhere they want with that. They could have never met. They could have almost met. Or they could have had, like, a crazy story arc before this. And so the way they were looking at each other, I guarantee you, after we watch this show, that moment is going to be epic. I guarantee you. Yes. Yeah, because you you could see there there was something there. Yes. It's. I mean, it's obvious that that he knows who Sagrera is, but it's... 
it's, it's equally obvious that Saw knows that this is Cassian Andor here, right here mm-hmm. in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, he tells him, and she, he tells Jin, go with him. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I love his, his almost like defiance of, I'm going to take off all my breathing apparatus and all that as a last sign of defiance to the Emperor. <clears throat> to well, the Empire. It's, mm-hmm. well, it's not just a stare down either. Saul has his shaft and he goes into like defense fight mode and, and Andor has his hand on his gun as he approaches mm-hmm. as he approaches yeah. Jin. I'm just watching it right now to, to you know kind of confirm what I'm talking about. But he's on his gun like very slowly watching what he's doing as he approaches Jin. So there's something there that they yeah, both it's, know. They yeah, it's are something. Oh man, I just oh, and and so think about this again. So this was in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. And so yep. since this movie came out, all of those things we talked about, you know, like the the black saber and all, you know, these things are coming up in in current released Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, like I feel like this was such an amazing movie because they're taking pieces and putting mm-hmm. it right now. You know, yep. and so I guarantee you there's going to be lots of things pulled out of this movie once again. And, you know, that's what Disney has been doing amazingly is. Yeah. So I, I can't wait to see how this gives even more meaning to the relationship, you know, or possibly no relationship at all, though, of, you know, Forrest Whitaker and Cassian Ander. Yeah. 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 yeah it, this this movie, I feel like, set up a lot of what is successful in Star Wars today. Because obviously there was a lot of controversy of, in Star Wars at, at this time between, I mean, as, as bad of this is No, this is more before movies. it really started to get controversial. I know, but really. that's what I'm saying. Like, this was really, I felt like this showed that there is definitely <laughs> passionate people who can make successful Star Wars. I don't, I don't really remember hearing anything negative about this movie, right? Mm-hmm. There was, there was no, you know, this was bad or they didn't, you know, how does, how does this person know this without any kind of background but i felt like this movie for being a two-hour movie showed you Jin, can't cassian k2so Chirrut, bays bodhi rook all of these mm. characters we got all the information we needed to like them feel bad but like honored when they when they met their demise but mm-hmm. also, like, understand enough of all of their backgrounds that you understood where each person was coming from and had their abilities that they needed to have. Yeah. In a two-hour movie. So We good. got enough background that we felt bad for every character that died. And this is awesome. This is really well done. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, I agree. And this is kind of before how yeah, you talked about it. it was more before the controversy. Most people, when The Force Awakens came out, there was a little bit of complaint about it being a retread of A New Hope. But other than that, there wasn't... It was mostly liked. This movie, everyone liked it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really until The Last Jedi, which... To me, it just doesn't even make sense when, at this point, after the discussions we've had, why why anyone would get upset at that movie. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, let's go. Well, moving on. Right, so, but, but so anyway, for those who yeah. aren't watching the podcast, what was so funny? <laughs> oh, oh, just the pause of... To the pause of before all the the complaints about the last Jedi, uh, 
But anyway, uh, yeah, this was before that. And so I think a lot of people love this movie. I love this movie. We all love this movie. Whether you liked uh, The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker, people, all Star Wars fans love this movie. And there is just, it's so good. And I can't, like, we've talked about it a number of times, but can't wait to see it being expanded upon. I like how they built a movie expanding upon a movie, and now they're going to build a show expanding upon a movie that expanded upon a movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And, like, we're here for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny you talk about uh, people who dislike, either dislike this about Star Wars, or, you know, people who dislike the prequels, people who dislike the sequels. Almost everybody liked this movie. And it kind of reminds me of a, a coworker I have who was, was an older gentleman, you know, a huge fan of the original trilogy when he was a kid. Doesn't much care for the, the prequels. Doesn't much care for the sequels. Okay, dislikes the sequels. But <laughs> hard, like, loves this movie and is super mm -hmm. excited for the Andor show. See, and this is like, yeah. I feel like that's kind of why they're, they're betting so big on Andor because this movie did so well. And yeah. and they're kind of they're kind of they're trying to draw back every Star Wars fan, right? Mm -hmm. Every Star Wars fan came together and loved this movie. It wasn't the most successful, like box office wise, but it wasn't it wasn't designed to be either. It was a Star Wars story. It wasn't mm -hmm. you know one of the major trilogy movies. But they're gonna they're trying to build upon this everybody because this is like when you talk to your friends about we talk to people who don't love Star Wars. You know, you talk about how good yeah. the how good the prequels are or how bad the sequels are, but everybody has told their friend that they like Rogue One. And now mm -hmm. we're getting we're getting a, the TV show around it. And I that's why I'm really hoping that Andor does does good. I'm not talking like you or I liking it because you or I like Star Wars. Yeah. Even even I who don't who isn't the, the, the one who touts his love for the prequels or the sequels watches them from time to time. Like we're we're gonna like it. I'm hoping mm -hmm. that it's the average person who, yeah. helped, you know, we get massive viewership numbers from this, and and we kind of we kind of touched on it. It really pushes Disney into okay, maybe we shouldn't be putting a pause on Rogue Squadron or Taika Waititi's movie or Ryan Johnson's new trilogy or whatever. I because I've heard he's still working on on some yeah, project. I really right. and hope I'm hoping so. that they can they can really just yeah you know okay okay we're we're kind of, we're kind of back in the groove of things right like. Mandalorian's mm -hmm. done well. Boba Fett did okay. And we're we're gonna get back into the, you know, spending big money. They spent big money on Andor because they didn't use the volume. They used practical See, sets. And this they is spent why, big money on this project. This is why I don't get when everyone says that everything that Disney has made with Star Wars has, has just been crap. Because <clears throat> this movie is amazing. You that, that mm -hmm. means you're telling me you don't like this movie, you don't like the Mandalorian. Like, <laughs> and that's the, a joke. I don't care who you are. If you say you don't like the Mandalorian, it's a lie. Right? If you don't, if so, you say you don't like the Mandalorian, you cannot say you are a Star Wars fan. <laughs> yeah, you can. You you can. You can tell me if you say you don't like the the Mandalorian. You can tell me that you like the original trilogy. That's okay. You can like those movies, but you're not a Star Wars fan if you don't like the Mandalorian. <laughs> but that's if you I'm don't like is, Grogu, we cannot be friends. <laughs> there's so much good for for all you can complain about with the sequel trilogies. They've made they've made good. Rogue One is an amazing movie. They've made good projects. Rebels yeah. was all Disney. 
Yeah. Yes, it was made by Dave Filoni, but it's still Disney. It was still uh, <clears throat> all once Disney took over. So there mm-hmm. are so many projects that have been so good under Disney. So it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me that saying that everything that's been made since Disney taking over is <clears throat> is not good because there are clearly lots of examples that are great. Yeah. yeah, and I I, yeah. I like since there's been some more news about Acolyte. I don't know if you guys seen mm-hmm. like it's been coming more more up in uh, like casting and leaks and things like that. But what I was gonna say is what we wanted for the Acolyte, I feel like is going to come true because what we saw in the Obi Wan series, we wanted like the Acolyte to be like mysterious, like dark, and you know, like we and we are worried like that if Disney could do that or if they would do that but Mm -hmm. even just talking about rogue one way back in 2016 but then you know we also now have you know uh the um the obi-wan series with that's that's focusing on not not only just vader but also like the inquisitors so we're getting like that and then now with andor from like first impressions it appears it's gonna it's gonna be dark Right. So, and so if we start getting that way, by the time we get to Acolyte, if they're kind of warming people up to this, oh man, oh, I'm, I'm excited. The Acolyte. biggest thing that I've seen on like everyone's initial reactions and talking about how dark it is, everyone is saying, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, there's a curse word in Star Wars in the new Andor show. <laughs> there, there was yeah. a, curse word, a curse word in Empire Strikes Back. When Han tells the guy to go to hell, or I'll see you in hell. <laughs> yeah, you can debate whether hell is a curse word or not, but. <laughs> uh, what about anyway. scruffy looking nerf herder? Yeah, come on. <laughs> Carabas? Yeah. Uh, it curse but... all the time in Rebels. Chopper is oh, yeah, 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 um... screaming profanity the whole time. He has to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he is. And, and, uh, and Luke tells. Who do? And, and Luke <laughs> yeah. tells R2 to, to watch his language when he's on, on you know, mm-hmm. the, the holy island there. At, uh, <laughs> Sacred mm-hmm. island, buddy. Watch Sacred the language. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, oh, this is going to be exciting. And uh, to everyone that's, that's listening, we're going to be uh, basically from now until the end of the show. We're just gonna. Our show is gonna be covering the latest week's episode. And we're gonna so, have a lot to go over next week. Ooh. Next week, it's gonna be <laughs> a long podcast. I can oh feel man, it. <laughs> you're gonna yeah, because he's gonna have three episodes off the bat, and so I mean, think about it. We we spent two hours talking about a forty minute Obi Wan show every week. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna mm. just uh, each podcast will just be our discussion of. The, the latest week's episode of Andor. Oh, we're and, have to find a time to fit in. Tales until of the Jedi. Bad, bad. You know we're yes. You know yes. You know we're gonna want to talk about Tales of the Jedi to each other when that comes out. Like yeah, because oh it's gonna come God. out in about the middle Tales of this of the show. Jedi. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I mean. Oh man, I'm so excited for that. We're focused. It, 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 I'm I'm so excited for Tales of the Jedi being a show that half focuses on. One of the one of our favorite characters, one of Josiah's absolute favorite characters, being Ahsoka, and mm-hmm. another character we all respect and really want to know more about in Dooku. Like, we all yes. have that that yearning to to learn more about pre Dark Side Dooku. Because even as a Sith, mm-hmm. he's like a gentleman. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why a lot of that is in the acting. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, 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 but that is what a character acting is what brings the character to life. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even if they go to younger version, we can still get that in him. And mm-hmm. I mean, we, we all love that. Uh, the Dooku Jedi lost book. And that gives mm-hmm. a little bit, a, a, a little bit of, of pre pre dark side Dooku. And we all want to see more. So I think mm-hmm. I'm just super yeah. excited for for all of that in Tales of the Jedi. Yeah, good time to be I a mean, Star Wars like, fan. Oh, oh yeah, right time. now I mean, a really just, good time. If you just think about like Dooku for a second, right? He was one of Yoda's star pupils. Yoda, out of all the people, saw him, and Yoda could have had the you know the pick of any like youngling to be a Padawan. He chooses him out of everyone. So right there, that's mm-hmm. just an epic beginning to his story, you know. And then the next thing is having Qui-Gon Jinn, one of Star yes. Wars fans' favorite characters as well, as then his bad one. And then we see his, you know, story later too. So that's epic. And then you find out that, you know, he's basically like a, a ruling family, mm-hmm. you know, like that's where he comes from. Just everything of his whole story is so amazing. That's the part that I always keep. I, I keep saying I'm excited to see young Dooku as a Jedi, but we're also going to see him training Qui Gon Jinn as a Padawan. Oh man, man, that's right. going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. So good. And I'm, and and the way that they've done, that they've become so much better at Lucasfilm with the animation. Like I'm not even like, it's a, oh, it's a cartoon. Yeah, but I'm so excited. Yeah, it's, big time. They they they've done so good with. The, you know, facial expressions and, and you can really feel a character, how they're feeling, almost like it's mm-hmm. a person acting. And it's just, I'm so excited for it. Yeah, there's there's so much uh, we talked about, I think, last week, and I think it's basically been made official that Bad Batch is moving to the very beginning of January. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're I think... to episode premiere there with 16 episodes total in the season. So... And then you're also, uh, so I think Andor is going to last until November sometime. I'm not sure what the date is, but it's going to be into November. So there's not going to be much of a break in between constant Star Wars content. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. (laughs) Bad Batch into into Ahsoka, into, I'm going to get Visions in there somewhere. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think uh, I think that's a good place. We're all super excited <laughs> for Andor. We'll be covering that next week. Uh, we'll take deep dives and and on all of that, and we'll just really dig into <clears throat> Andor as a character. I'm really excited to flush out his character to see the kind of character that uh, makes the decisions that he does in Rogue One, and that mm-hmm. is very interesting and I, I think we're gonna get a lot a lot more on that mm-hmm. i think uh we can go ahead guys if before we leave if you uh liked what you heard go ahead and join our discord we continue to have conversations over there uh if you want to support us you can support us on patreon and uh so josiah um what what do you got going on um yeah uh not too much uh, uh as far as uh, new content going uh for 
Hezekiah's Toys and Games right now. Um, I'm actually away a on on I'm working away from home, so um, I, I'm a, a a big part of the the filming and uh, <laughs> not very well editing. He's of the it. cameraman. So yeah. So uh, we don't got a bunch going on there, but uh, definitely we got more stuff coming up on there. But if you go sub and support him, um, we're, uh, yeah, we're always going to be doing like giveaways and things like that. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's fun. Um, but anyways, yeah, so definitely support him. Uh, links in the show notes. Also, you can find it in Discord. Uh, me, I'm always uh, in Twitter uh, in different uh, discords about technology, uh, Star Wars, and and th- gaming stuff. Giveaways, like that. Um, giveaways. <laughs> yeah, if you want to, if you want to enter cool giveaways, follow me on Twitter because I'm usually entering different giveaways on there. So you can take team with me, and uh, we can enter some giveaways and win some cool stuff. Uh, Quentin did that, <laughs> and uh, he won the mic that he's using right now. So oh, it was, like, um, it was the the camera actually. Oh, it was the camera. That's right. Yeah, it was the camera. Um, yeah, that's was like, all right, okay, now I got a piece. Now I got to buy the rest. We're gonna start this podcast up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Josiah's um, so. retweeting of giveaways. <laughs> yep. So there you go. Um, but anyways, yeah, uh, I just wanted to take a second. Uh, as always, huge thanks uh, to everybody watching live um, and in the chat with us. That keeps it lively. Keeps uh, we love having conversations with people in the chat. So um, editor. Um, thanks for, uh, supporting us. You know, we, we've seen you on lots of different, uh, of our live shows. So we thank you for being here. Um, asparagus, asparagus daiquiri and, uh, send it O'Reilly, Kalani. Um, yeah, thanks everybody who's uh, live in the chat with us. It keeps it, uh, keeps it fun <laughs> for us and interactive and everybody who's going to be uh, listening to this or watching it later. Uh, <clears throat> thank you so much, uh, for listening to us talk about our love and passion for Star Wars. Um, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's all about, uh, love for Star Wars. doesn't matter what's your favorite Star Wars, your favorite character. Um, you're welcome here and, uh, we love to hear from you. That's one. That's, that's good. Do a, we'll do a, a big <laughs> shout out to our, uh, our one, uh, Patreon subscriber, Togo Bap. He was unfortunately not with us at all live this week. I hope he enjoys the, the Easter egg that I gave in our podcast for him earlier. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right yeah, guys, big shout out to bruce yeah thanks bruce <laughs> all right yeah thank, thank you bruce thank you to everyone who watched uh and as always may the force be with you may the force be with you always, always. <laughs>